This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Joe, stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome to flagship podcast i'm rich Grace, alongside as always king of banter mr joe lanza joe what's happening that's that's a hearty introduction you're excited this I, week. I think so i don't know it's early i guess i'm trying to, it's not a i miss our uh, our good old days of recording at uh, 2 p.m and and stuff but it's all right yeah you're back to uh you're back to going to the office punching the clock i was i was punching the clock at home still doing the work at home and now i'm yeah, it, it, the commute. The commute's killer. <laughs> that's the part that really, like, the work itself is whatever. That, that's fine. I don't mind the work, but goddamn, driving an hour every single day back and forth is is, is tough. I just quit. Mm. I need everybody listening to tell their friends to uh, subscribe to the $10 tier, and then, yes, I will do that. <laughs> so that's it. All of it. And then, like we've said, we'll do, we'll do audio up the ass. You just need everybody listening live. And even not listening live. Anybody that's everybody that's listening live, you're all ten dollars subscribers. Thank you for doing that. You want now all your friends, your colleagues, your coworkers, your family, all of them to describe for the, the ten dollar tier. And then everybody, all the freeloaders listening on the on the podcast feed, you guys all get to the ten dollar subscriber numbers, and then yes, I'll be good and then we can start doing these at two PM again. So Money's a social construct, man. You don't you don't you don't you don't need it. <laughs> no, I do though. I tell that to the mortgage company. I don't think the mortgage company would agree if I said, "Hi, <laughs> hi, uh, Central Loan Administration or whatever." I, uh, I believe, <laughs> I believe currency is a social construct. So thank you. And then I, yeah, I maybe I could like, try but, it. I haven't, I haven't tried it yet. So I guess I can't, I can't say it won't work. But look, there's no rules anymore. Just stop sending them money. And see what it. happens. Okay, yeah, I'll try it. Right. <laughs> see how that goes. <laughs> Probably not well. You have an extra room. You have an extra room in golf station in case it doesn't go well. I mean, I don't have a room. I got a bunch of couches. You could, hmm. you could have. Are they nice couches? Uh, like what? What's the quality of couches we're talking here? You think Joe Lanza would have shitty couches? You think well, I'm a shitty couch oh, guy? <laughs> okay, here's. I don't think you're a shitty couch guy. I think you have a good couch. In I would say I, I don't know the layout of your house. Never been to your house. I know you have a the den. I imagine there's a good couch in the den, right? So comfortable. Do you have an official basement? No, no basements in this part. That's of Texas. what I was gonna say. Okay, so Texas, yeah, no basements. Okay, because that that'd be another place to have a good couch. So the den couch, I'm positive is a nice couch. Um, you have, I'm assuming, like a living room, family room type thing as well, right? Yeah. First walk into place, that's a nice couch, right? Listen, I'm not. <laughs> but how many I'm... other couches? What, like, you said you have several couches. I, I assume that you have two nice couches. Is that I'm enough? Not a bad... I'm not a bad couch guy. Okay. I don't know why you think I'd be a bad couch guy. I got a couch. I got more than two couches. Yeah, I got a couch. But why would why are all the couches good though? You only need how many couches do you need to be good? 
How many other rooms are you sitting in? If you're going to have a couch, it may as well be a good couch. Why do you want to have a shitty couch? It's, it's not. You're not wrong, but if you never sit in it, who cares, you know? Who says the couches aren't getting sat in? <laughs> well, I'm just wondering how many rooms you're sitting in. Any room I'm in, I'm sitting. I mean, I... I <laughs> you're not a stand. Yeah, you're not a... <laughs> this is confusing. I, of course I'm sitting. Um, but how many other rooms do you occupy? Like, like, I know that you bounce around between, you yeah. know, different areas to record the show. But, like, how many... Like, because everyone's got, like, their rooms that they're... Because they, you used to say that there was many rooms in your house that, like, were never opened. The door was basically shut and never opened ever. Like, how many actual rooms do you would you say live in in the house? When I was single, there were rooms in the house that legitimately I probably didn't enter for years. <laughs> Could have been like a dead for... body in those without ever knowing. Yeah. yeah. Like, for years, I the doors to these rooms were never opened. Like... You know, but now every room in the house gets used. Yeah, yeah. okay. So there's multiple cat. There's the, the the big. There's a big couch in the den. There's a couch in the living room. There's a couch in the bedroom. Um, there's Ooh, a couch. Bedroom couch, in the... huh? I got a bedroom couch. Interesting. Yeah. What what's the need for a bedroom couch? I'm just curious. I sit in that all the time. Really? Hmm. Yeah. You know, bedroom. Um, it's it's just it's a it's a nice relaxing space. The bedroom. Okay. I think it's important to have a bedroom couch. You know, sometimes I'll come in the bedroom and I'll sit on the bedroom couch. <laughs> and then you <laughs> go on. And then <laughs> go on. Just go. <laughs> Rich almost went third hour there. <laughs> Rich almost went third hour there. I, I I'm about to you see you can't do this to me because now I badly well, I'm I am biting my tongue so hard it's gonna bleed because I want to go third hour now because you set that one up. But no, I've got a bedroom couch. I sit on the bedroom couch. I, okay. Have I fucked on the bedroom couch? Of course, I've oh, I would fucked say on for sure you've fucked on the bedroom couch. How many how many couches in the house have you fucked on? Oh God, I fucked on all the couches. <laughs> Every <laughs> single one. Every couch in the that's house. That's why you know. I'll be honest. That's a big reason why I don't want to come to your house and, and and sleep on your couches. Knowing yeah, but see, but here's the thing. Everyone has fucked on their couch. You fucked on your couch. Come on. Uh, one of them. I have some bad couches. Yeah. I, I'm a bad couch guy. You're a bad couch I'm, guy? I'm not a great couch guy. I'm a good couch guy in the couch that I sit in, and then otherwise I'm a bad couch guy. Like, if you go to someone's house and you crash at someone's house and you sleep on their couch, you just have to assume that they've fucked where you're sleeping. Right? I mean, everyone fucks on the couch at some point. Yeah, Silence. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you're, no, you're right. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm just thinking in my head, like, the, the cleaning of it, if I would be confident in that, or, yeah, no, I, I'd be, yeah, whatever. Who cares at this point? You're, you're right. You're, I, you're going in, you know. There's a fucking has happened on this couch at some yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, so it's just whatever. it's something you have to accept. It's like, you know, it's it's no like you sleep in a hotel, you have to accept the the bed has been fucked on many times. Oh yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah, of course. It's 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 the same thing. Like I think if you sleep on someone's couch, you don't like to think about it. Like I don't, I don't like go over my brother's house and crash on the couch and think about him boning my <laughs> sister in law. Like right. I'm not thinking about that, but it's obvious that they have done that. So. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, you, look, if you come here, there's many couches to choose from. All have been fucked on okay. many times. Well, I'm, uh, the, the, the clarity and, and, and the transparency is, is appreciated for sure. Always so. transparency. I have fucked in every room in the house. I mean, that's got to be a given, too. I've been here 11 years, you know, garage, backyard. Ooh, the garage. Interesting. How'd yeah, that one go? How'd that one go? Was that? Um, a quickie. Yeah. Quickie. <laughs> that's, yeah, there's no real need to fuck in the garage but if it, if you know if there's a need to fuck the garage is is, is fine for that you know? it's just a hot you know, like the moment strikes and you just right 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 
it's one of those you know you know you know what's up you know the moment strikes and you just you bang a quick one out like getting out of the car or whatever but uh my garage is a mess that'd be terrible yeah i have i have never yeah, fucked in the, in the garage i'll be honest even if the you moment know, struck i would be like let's just please <laughs> like get out of the garage you got stinky garbage in there you got this like oil of... stains and shit yeah. like yeah i got like you know listen it's not a hot scene i'm not, <laughs> I got I'm not... weed killer all over the place it's like i'm not saying it's a hot scene i'm just saying it's been done you know so yeah every room the backyard, the garage, the staircase. The staircase got broken in. Um, yeah, everywhere. That, so, like, but again, you go in someone's house, you have to assume they fucked everywhere. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you just, it's just not something you consciously think about. You don't want to think about people boning, like, on their kitchen counter, but you know it's happening. Right, right, right. Do you, do you ever, do you ever, when you go to the hotel, do you ever have a thought? But not like, not when you walk in, not with, like, but like, in the midst of it, you're just kind of like, man, there's been a lot of people. <laughs> like, like, the last people before us probably did the same thing. And I can't imagine the cleaning has been sufficient enough to make up for, you know, what, what's occurred in this bed over the last week or two or three or whatever. You know what I mean? Every time I go in a hotel room, I think so much sex has happened in this room. Yeah, I need to get, like, the in the, in the, you know, the early 2000s, they would always have those... Uh, like these weird investigative shows. I forget who who was even doing these shows at the time, and they'd always bring out the, like the black light and be like, "My God, look how much like like human waste is on this bed at your hotel." Yeah. Like, and I'm always like, "Oh God!" Like, I do wonder about doing that, and and I think it's probably better that I don't think about it and just go for it, you know? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, we used to do the bit with the you know with the with the fuck chair. Yeah, remember right, the right, fuck right, chair right. bit? Yeah, people still send us pictures of fuck chairs, which is yes. is, is an incredible legacy. Like if we were lame enough to like make t-shirts and stuff, like fuck chair would definitely be one of them. For sure. Fuck and, chair would have to be one. And, and we're gonna, and at some point we will be lame enough to do that because yeah, I want to quit my job and <laughs> and do these things at 2 p.m. And, and fuck chair will undoubtedly be uh, a one that the you know, even if we sell 80 of them, it'll be those 80, you know, old-timers, old-school VOW fans that would, that would get it. But, yeah, I do enjoy getting random pictures of fuck chairs every so often, so. People don't just add us with pictures of the fuck chair when they check into the hotel. There's some listeners who just post pictures of the fuck chair with no comments. That's what I was going to say. The, the, the best thing is, like, no, we never get, hey, Joe and Rich, here's a chair in the corner of my hotel. It's just a picture of a chair. And everybody knows, everybody listening knows, we know, it, it, it. that's the part that I love the most, is that it doesn't yeah. need to get hit over the head. It's not, hey, look at this picture of this fuck chair. It's just like, here's a picture of a chair in a corner of a hotel room, you know, and that's it. You they, know. They, it, it, they, the, the photo, that, that speaks a thousand words right there. You don't need to say anything, you, it's perfect. You were listening to this show in 2014, and I salute you, you know, if you just post a picture of a fuck chair on your Twitter feed. I, I respect it. Um. But yeah, third hour comes to first hour. I was going to say, you want to talk? Let's just reverse show. Hey, Joe, Pro Wrestling Noah had their 20th like anniversary this week. We should be doing Dragon Gate. Or, yeah, uh, King of Gate. That was yeah. a while ago. But uh, Rainbow Gate's coming up this week, so we'll talk about that. Um, well, we still don't have any sponsors to offend. No. So, yeah. Um, you know, you just don't want to put the, the third hour content around the ads just in case, because we got to give them timestamps. And then some, you know, and then, you know, uh, Dopey Bill from whatever random company goes and listens to the ad. And we don't want him to get, you know, fuck chair talk, you know, before or after his ad. And then, you know, because it might annoy him. So you try to backload it in the third hour. But there's no ads. 
again, there's no more rules in society anymore, Rich. There's no laws. There's no rules. There's no podcast ads. So, um, you know, you're just we just come out here and uh, and and we can do what we want. It's 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 anarchy. It's anarchy rules with a Z. That's an old ECW. Yeah, no E, only Z. Yeah. Anarchy rules. And, you know, one day I'll get to those on November to remember sometime in like 2026. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first one's 1999, right? That's that's going to be quite a while for you to get there. But Hey, they, good plug, though. Um, I have a update on the next November to remember on the Dark Patriot 2 deal. Rich, it's a good update, isn't it? Obviously, oh, you're not gonna it's great. It. Yeah, I, I knew – you were heartbroken when the, the, this person didn't respond to you the first time that you reached out to them. I could tell, I could, I could yeah. sense it. Like even though you didn't say it, I could sense that it just got. A, it was a hung DM that nobody ever responded to, and I just knew it was crushing you inside because you, you, you know, Joe. Like when you send messages just like you know normal people, it's just kind of like, hey, boom, here it is. Like this one, you're like, hello, sir, my name is Joe Lanza. I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like just formal, like you know, with the business card in hand, like hello, sir. Yeah. Big fan, and then like yeah, just met with nothing, and and you you really opened yourself out there, and 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 then were given nothing back, and and I knew it was just killing you, so I was glad uh, that you got a response back with the signature of the uh, the initials of the man who responded to you too, which was pretty awesome too. Yeah, he left me on read. That's what they say on the streets, yeah. Rich. That's what the, the he left me on read, um, but uh, I I got official confirmation on the Dark Patriot two hypothesis, and. Um, on the next episode of November, which will be sooner than people think. Um, when we go over, well, I think it's Hardcore Episode TV 12, I think I'm up to. I don't know. Um, we'll have a follow-up on the Dark Patriot 2 theory that uh, we talked about in the last episode. That it is, in fact, Bill DeMott. So we will confirm whether that is true or not. Uh, it is not Bill DeMott that got back to us, Rich. No, no, no. no. Bill DeMott <laughs> is still protecting K- K5 K-5 and K5 in you, <laughs> Dude. on a on a 27 year old <laughs> angle so uh you know what can you do you know he, I, uh, I kind of admire that though in a way like he's a fucking turd but i also admire it in a way you know he was kind of in like nodding he was kind of answering without answering no i mean but he just doesn't want to officially i don't know he, he's just a geek I workers mean, are workers just... man it's it's the best part like i had a buddy who uh he did a show with um he, my buddy's a wrestler and he did a show with demolition uh, like three or four years ago or something like that. And so Demolition's there or whatever. They're like going over the booking plan and, and the match they're going to have. And he's not facing Demolition, thank God. But um, so <laughs> they're talking about it, and, and the Demolition guys go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because like the, the other team is like, okay, then you know you can go off the road. You know, they're trying to like put their match together <laughs> type thing. And I think it was Edie or whatever was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And the guys are like, yeah, what? They're like, we're not bumping for you guys. <laughs> like, we're not doing anything for you guys. And they're like, well are you still going to lose to us? And they're like, oh, no, no, no. They agreed to lose to come into the show and then said they're not going to lose. And it's just like, and, and they're like, well, what the hell? And they're like, well, we got to protect. You know, you never know. You never know is, is the term that they kept saying. That yeah. Bill Eady, age like fucking 61, and yeah. Barry Darso, or I think it was Darso, I forget, are, are like, you never know. You know, if, they, if, if, if New York calls, we got to be protected. We can't say that we lost on an indie show. In front of yeah. twenty five people because the you know New York might call us anytime. <laughs> well, they did. They pulled the same thing with uh, with WrestlePro or when it was PWS. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that they did that. They pulled the same thing because they booked them against Rock and Roll Express, and they wanted to uh, 
and, and Rock and Roll Express were supposed to go over, and Demolition refused to do the job. <laughs> Love it. And you know, you know, Pat Buck told him to go kick rocks. He unbooked them. They oh, never, see, that's they good. Them. I'm glad he did that. The, the guy that I'm talking about, like, spent a lot of money to get Billy and Barry Darso in the house. So uh, you might just believe the hands were ra- uh, the, the 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 Demolition's hands were raised at the end of that match, and uh, that's good. I know I know Beefcake's that way too. Like, he still won't like like he'll show up to an indie, but he won't do jobs. And it's like, yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> It was the same reasoning that they gave. Like, you know, you, you never know. I, we don't want – we can't we can't lose. we got to retain our aura. And it's like, you guys are fucking 60. <laughs> it's wildly 15. Like, don't worry. <laughs> what aura? What aura exactly? You know? But but Bill Eadie will go out there with Demolition Blast, who looks like fucking absolute dog shit. That, that, that's, that, you know, that doesn't hurt the aura at all. He, the guy wrestles in Zubaz and like, you know, he doesn't even have wrestling gear. Have you ever seen Demolition Blast? I, I don't think I have. I've never, I don't think I've seen Demolition Blast, but, uh. I'll he doesn't it. even wear proper gear. He wrestles in like, <laughs> he wrestles in like sneakers and, 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 and like, uh, MC Hammer puffy pants. Like, and he's a really big guy, you know, and he doesn't even like, but, but that doesn't hurt the aura of Demolition, but losing to the Rock and Roll Express. Right. On a show that isn't even going to make tape, let alone air anywhere, that's going to hurt your aura. It's amazing how these guys think. You know, um, it's amazing that Bill DeMott just can't answer my question. <laughs> right. From a one-off angle. It's not like you asked place. him, hey, uh, in WCW, did Eric Bischoff tell you, you know, like, you know, something like that, where I get why you might want to be like, ah, you know what, I don't really. You asked about Dark Patriot, too, in ECW. Yeah, he's done seven gimmicks since then. He's worked for numerous companies. He's been ahead of fucking training. He's had his run as Hugh Morris. He was General Fucking Rection. All these and things have happened. <laughs> he's yeah. like, no. And let's be honest. And let's be honest too. Nobody cares but me. <laughs> okay, right. that's the other thing. Like, no one on this earth cares as much about this as I do. No one. You know. So it's like he's not even revealing like some long held wrestling secret that's like revered in the wrestling world right no one has thought about dark <laughs> patriot, patriot too. too yeah you can't go any yeah the, the mysteries of wrestling yeah the dark side of the ring episode about who the who the mystery man behind dark patriot too of course was uh yeah. yeah yeah it's it's ridiculous it'd be like al perez kayfabing you that he was uh one of the black scorpions like you know uh that were her- that were harassing sting in 1990 like there, there's no need to kayfabe something like that you know but the point here is we don't need bill demott i got someone else to either confirm or deny my suspicions of who portrayed dark patriot 2 and i will report back with the update on the next november to remember five dollar tier patreon.com slash voices wrestling I do know this. Uh, I, was, I was looking at the, uh, the 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 Twitter timeline of the the man you were talking to, and he's got a, he's got a good timeline. The man still loves wrestling. He, he's talking about AEW. He's talking about these old school indie shows that he's watching. Man, like he'd be a good follower. I'd love to uh, talk to this man at well, least. Well, I did. Can... I I did slap follow, so you know, um, people could go peruse our follows if they oh. want to try to figure out who it is. See, I'm dropping hints, but uh, you know, this man was uh, very nice. He responded to my beautiful form letter. That was a tremendous letter. <laughs> yeah. 
I wrote a nice letter to Demont. I mean, you know, I wasn't rude or, or, or obnoxious, you know. I run a professional production around here. So, um, you know, yeah, he was uh, – he finally got back. You know what I think it is about this guy? I don't think he lives on the Twitter. No, I think no, he no. Didn't, I don't think he saw it until several days later. So my feelings were hurt, but I feel like – because he didn't tweet during any of that time either, you know. So he's probably one of these guys that – doesn't even have it on his phone. Yeah, I was gonna say he gets onto his computer to pay his bills, and then you know when he's done, he yeah he jumps onto Twitter.com and sees what's going on. You know, right? And he does it like twice a week. You know, which makes him way smarter than. Yeah, we'll God, ever. I wish I was like that. Jesus Christ, I wish that was me. Yeah. But David Starr wishes that was him too. Oof. Yeah, what a day. E that talk about tugging collars. <laughs> yeah, not going uh, well for old. Uh... Uh, DS. Add another uh, nickname to that list here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Posting through it. <laughs> yeah, Posting through it. He has Post- sponsored an apology on Twitter. Yes. yes. <laughs> He's the cream in your coffee. Eek. I don't <laughs> even know what to say. Uh, there, there's posting through it, and then there's posting through it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, listen, man, there's never has log off been more appropriate <laughs> than it has been. <laughs> for uh for the king of taunts which for years i thought was king of thoughts <laughs> i for years i that thought could be that true i saying, mean uh, well yeah after yeah, today's well, events you know <laughs> maybe i shouldn't joke but for years i thought they were saying king of thoughts because of the way that the usually european ring announcers would pronounce taunts and it wasn't until i don't know like three days ago or whatever that i realized it was king of taunts so, I don't know. That's kind of like song lyrics. It's like, you know, hold me closer, Tony Danza. You know, it's kind of the same theory. But, uh, you know, I thought it was King of Thoughts. I don't know. Um, maybe he doesn't need to add any more nicknames, but maybe he should drop he's really good at Twitter. Yeah. Maybe that yeah. <laughs> it's, he's really good at Twitter. Uh, that one should go on the back burner for sure. Yeah. And uh... <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't want to get into that story. No, it's 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 developing still as as we're going on. So, it's yeah. developing and it's ugly and it's really not something we should be like breaking down. I mean, that, I mean, you know. So, and, and plus, you know, we're doing this live like as it's happening. On top of that, but uh, but yeah, oof, yeah, that's a uh, that's an ugly one. Yeah. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that was a coward, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think it's going to end well for him, though. I think he's, uh, yeah, he's in. He's going to be very in, independent uh, here in a, in a bit, I believe. So, yeah. Very yeah. independent. Very independent. <laughs> so, all right, let's 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 get to this here. So, we have a ton to get to. Uh, today, we got New Japan Cup is back. Uh, we're going to talk about the first two nights. We've seen all the matches from the first two nights. You, one more plug. One more plug. Well, we'll do another plug later, I'm sure. Daily New Japan Cup updates at voicewrestling.com slash Patreon as well. Every day when a New Japan Cup show happens, you're on there that day to give reviews, talk about the shows, what you need to see, what you need to skip, all that sort of stuff. $5 tier for that at voicewrestling.com slash Patreon. So there's that. So we'll talk about New Japan Cup. Uh, Prosting uh, Noah uh, celebrated their 20-year anniversary uh, just yesterday. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, the latest on Evolve, we have some uh, exclusive news and notes that we've kind of been able to gather and some other stuff uh, to talk about what's going on with Evolve and, and, and sort of what's been reported. I know PW Torch had an article out. Uh, as well with some some information. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll do the latest on whatever is going to happen with Evolve or what we know as far as you know right now uh, about Evolve. But uh, at the top of the show, we're going to talk WWE Backlash and Joe. We cannot start without talking about 
the greatest wrestling match ever between Edge and Randy Orton. Before we get into, I think, the big picture discussion that we're going to have about what classifies as a wrestling match and whether this is a wrestling match, before we get into that, we'll do that in a sec. But overall, about the the segment, the video, the production, whatever the hell you want to call what that was, <laughs> if you want to call it a match, whatever, whatever that was, what did you think overall of, of, of Edge versus Orton at Backlash? The greatest wrestling match ever, Joe. No, I mean, I, I thought it was a very enjoyable match. Um, you know, you know, we'll get into, you know, all of our problems with it and, and the issues with it, but, um, you know, the, the, the piped in crowd noise was corny as hell and, and took away from it and did not add to it. Yeah, I agree. I right, right at the beginning, I was already kind of out in, in that yeah. sense. Yeah. It hurt. I mean, did they work extremely hard and did the final product come off tremendously in terms of how the match came off you know with the final edit so to speak yeah um i think that if this were if the, if it were a straight bell to bell unedited live to tape or live match and didn't have the the goofy piped in noise you know this to me it was like a four and a half star level match i thought it was really really good and flirting with match of the year level, assuming it had been a real match. The issue is I, I do not consider it a real match. Um, I think some of my tweets, at least, and you could speak for yourself on yours, may have come off a little more aggressive than they were intended. Um, but I, it doesn't offend me that they did this. And I'm not, like, mad about it. And I enjoyed it myself. Mm-hmm. I did. But... I can't call it a match and I don't think it's fair to compare it to other matches. I just think it was the final product uh, was good for what they were trying to do, but what they ended up doing was creating a simulation of a pro wrestling match through a series of edits and reshooting spots and piping in the crowd noise. Um, that's not the same as just doing a pro wrestling match and shooting it live to tape with all its warts. That's just not the same thing. This was much closer to a cinematic match than it was to an actual real pro wrestling match. And that's okay. I don't think like, I don't think it's egregious that they did this, but you have, but I, I also think people need to understand that that's what it was. The best comparison I saw was from someone on Twitter, and I don't remember who it was that replied to us. Um, but even closer than a cinematic match, what like this was what what th- this was no different than Mickey Rourke versus Necro Butcher and the Wrestler. Same thing, you know. This is no different than Randy the Ram versus whatever uh, was it? Uh, what was? Uh, uh, Ernest Miller's name. Oh, yeah, Sheik. it was like the, the Sheik or the Sultan. Yeah, I think it was Sheik. Ayatollah, but, yeah. The Ayatollah. Oh, the Ayatollah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what this, you know, it's much closer to that than, you know, insert, than, than you know, Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus from two hours earlier. Um, it's just not, the, it, it's, it's, it's not a pro wrestling match. It's, and, and listen, I've been consistent because I don't consider any of the cinematic matches pro wrestling matches either. How many weeks in a row have we come on here and I've, stomped my feet about it and been probably annoying to some, but I don't consider any of these things matches. 
Because you're subverting the art of pro wrestling when you're filming a match in pieces and then putting it together later. So um, I think it was cowardly of the company to promote this as the greatest match ever and then not have the guts to put them out there and let them try it. They didn't have faith in these guys. Mm -hmm. We talked about it last week. I would have been insulted if I were Edger Orton to be asked to do this and then and then do it in the way they want them to do it because my response would have been, I'm fucking Randy Orton. You don't trust me to go out there after 20 years and just have a great match on my own volition? You know? Uh, you know, I'm Edge. I've had great matches for you guys. I know what I'm doing. And it's like, I don't know why they didn't let these two guys go out there and just have their match in front of the, the you know, the performance center crowd. And, and give it a go. I, it wouldn't have been as perfect as this one came out because you don't have the benefit of the editing. And, not, and But I'm, I'm fairly certain they could have had a match very close to the quality that they had with all of the editing. You know, and, and it's mm-hmm. like... No, I, I I'm right with you. Yeah, that, that's the thing that, that, that kind of struck me and, and as, you know, watching it and sort of seeing, you know, you know the, the reaction to it because, you know, I watched it a few days later. You know, seeing the reaction to it and seeing all that sort of stuff as I'm watching it, I'm like, man... Why didn't they just let these guys just organically have this match? Because, yeah, I, like, without knowing, with the benefit of hindsight, without knowing exactly what got redone or, or, or what got changed or where the cuts were, there were some noticeable cuts that, 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 that you know that we'll bring up and we'll talk about here. But for the most part, I think that this what this match was like. I feel like these two could have very easily had this exact same thing without having to do four RKOs or without having to stop to, you know, reposition them when they're in a headlock or stop to, like, you know, cover up Randy Orton's cut and, and, and make sure he doesn't bleed all over the ring and stuff like that. Like, I feel like there's so – like, they could have gotten very, very close to this. Like, I cannot imagine that in just one take, if you just said, hey, guys, go out there, have this exact same match, put the structure together, you know, finish your spam, do this sort of stuff that you're going to do, do your kickouts, do all that, you know, all that sort of stuff, without the fake crowd noise, without the cuts, without any of that, like – I still think that, yeah, it, you know, as far as I know, without knowing exactly what got cut or whatever, or what got moved around, like, I thought this was damn good. So I'm, I'm shocked. And, and, and like you said, I'm also like, if I were them, I'd be absolutely offended that they, you know, imagine telling fucking Minoru Suzuki, hey, uh, that gotch pile driver, can we, can we redo that again? You know, Yuji Nagata and Minoru Suzuki, hey, uh, guys, I don't think we got that. Can we run that one back again? Like, no, <laughs> fuck off. Like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, like, yeah. and, 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 you know. I do, I do wonder if that conversation or that thought ever came in the head of, of, of Orton and Edge. Like, say, you know, Orton hits the second RKO or whatever, and they're like, ah, yeah, do it again. And he's got to be like, all right, guys, come on. Like, what are we doing here? Like, I'm fucking Randy Orton. Like, you know, th- I'm doing the RKO. I'm th- like, why are we redoing? Like, at a certain point, you do wonder if it's like, yeah, it's insulting, I think is the correct word to say. Like, I would be insulted if I was those guys because I think they could have easily had what I would consider, what you would consider, what most people listening would consider a tremendous pro wrestling match just by having it, just by doing this same structure. But, like, we're talking here now, and we're going to talk about it here in a bit. Like, I, I don't classify it the same way. I just can't. It, it's just not. I mean, when, when you redo a finisher, when you stop to cover up blood and, and, and recut in, and, and when you, you know, cut to, you know, move a, a guy so he's facing the camera the right way, when you redo a spear, that sort of – like, it's done now. 
that to me that cannot be a wrestling match anymore. That that has lost its simulation of a, of a of a sporting event, a simulation of a fight, the simulation of of whatever. We're, we'll get into the nuance here in a little bit, but like it's lost on me. It's done, and that's just it's kind of a shame because I would love to come here and say, yeah, that was a great match. What a, what a great effort by these guys. Edge tears his tricep, but Manny cuts through it, and, and, and they put together a great match, one of the best matches of Randy Orton's careers. Uh, you know, if, if Edge never comes back, what a great way to, you know, leave uh, on this note. But now we're, instead, the conversation that we're going to have is, like, I don't know, what does this thing count as? What do we even call these things? The video package, basically, which, you know, I don't really, it's, we don't spend a lot of time breaking down video packages on this show. Sorry. <laughs> like it's it's i mean it's uh and, and it should be noted that he tore his tricep on the reshoot of an RKO spot off the top rope so you know for people that may not understand you know this was not as simple as you know for years WWE at you know tapings and and whatnot for years what what they have done uh many times is they'll like reshoot the finish of a match if they don't feel like it came off uh the way they wanted it to and the way they would do that is they would either send the wrestlers back out there to have a really short, like 90 second match where they quickly get to the finish or they'd send them out there to do an angle, which ended up, which would end the end result would be, you know, the finish being reshot or what they would have very different. They would have different ways of doing it. And then in post-production, they would splice in the new finish into the match footage. And they've been doing that for years. And a lot of people came came at us this week saying, well, if this wasn't a match, how do you, you know, for years they've been uh, reshooting finishes and such. And I'm like, yeah, and that's bullshit too. <laughs> yeah. So, and like, like just a warning when you're going to, what about us more times than not, I, I would say probably 90% of the, what about blank? We probably fucking hate that too. <laughs> like that's the funny thing that we always get. Yeah. Well, what about Lucha Underground? <laughs> like, yes. I think Lucha Underground's shit too. Like, like I'm just warning you when you're going to do the, what about tweet at us? Think if, hey, does this sound like something Joe and Rich would would like? It's probably yeah. not. <laughs> Most that, likely it's not. Yeah. Well, what about Undertaker? <laughs> that that was another one that kept coming up was, yeah. well, Lucha Underground did this and those matches were great. <laughs> we buried the fuck out it, of them. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was part of the reason. Okay, ba- back when Lucha Underground started, I was the reviewer for the site. Okay, remember? And I lasted a couple of months. And then I stopped because when I when I realized that the matches were all heavily edited, it took something away from me. And I, I just personally couldn't enjoy it on the same level. And then all the supernatural stuff was just the final death blow. Because that, you know, I just can't tolerate at all. Like, edited matches are one thing. But I could kind of live, live with that. But once you get to the supernatural stuff, I'm out. But I, I came on this show years ago and said, I will not star rate lucha underground matches because of the nature of the super heavy editing that they do you know i've come on this show and said that i do not rate matches that are clipped you know old japanese matches where the only footage we have is is joined in progress seven minutes in i don't i don't rate them i mean but no one cares about you know star ratings or joe lanza's dopey star ratings but the point here is i've been consistent through the years on my stance on heavily edited matches. And that's the thing with this Edge Orton thing. It's not just that it was a heavily edited match or clipped or joined in progress or, uh, you know, a finish redone. This, just so people understand what this was, this was a 45-minute match that was filmed over the course of several hours. Okay? Meticulously reshooting spots over and over 
with the purpose of then splicing in the perfect take. The same way that you would make a movie or a high-budget television show. I'm sorry, that's not a wrestling match. That's not a match. If you want to say that I'm, you know, uh, being an elitist or uppity about it or like, you know, whatever phrasing you want to use, I'm willing to accept that. The answer is yes, I'm being an elitist. This is not a pro wrestling match. And on this show, we break down the business of pro wrestling, the art of pro wrestling. We get into uh, uh, the art of how wrestlers put the matches together. And quite honestly, while I respect the effort that the wrestlers put into this and the hard work because they worked hard, I do not respect putting matches together like this. I don't have much respect for it. It's not a pro wrestling match. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, same here. I can't be more clear. Like, I thought the end result was good. Can I sit here and tell you, can I compare this to, you know, and just name another match, an AEW match, another match on this show? Sheamus and Jeff Hardy or, or, or a New Japan match on the New No, there's no comparison because what they did was subverting the art. Just forget the editing. The piped-in crowd noise. Can I talk about that for a second? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I hated that. Hated it. Hated it. So the whole goal of pro wrestlers are to tell a story in the ring and manipulate crowd emotions and response. If you're piping in crowd noise at the right times and piping in the right response, okay, you're cheating. You're cheating. You're subverting the art. Okay? That's... Which, by the way, people are going to say, oh, they've done that for years. Yeah, it fucking sucks when they do it. And they don't do it often. And they don't do it often. And when they do do it, a lot of people call them out for it all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. It's not a good thing. And and this isn't just... And and I'm going to disagree with that, too, on the level of this isn't just a dead SmackDown taping where they put in the sound of ambiance just to... No. Or we had Chance. Yeah, we had all that sort of stuff interspliced in it. This was splicing in the 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 proper the, this was splicing in the uh, desired response at all of the right times. If I'm a pro wrestler, I would have fought this tooth and nail. This is insulting. This isn't trusting me to go out and work my match and get that response from the planted crowd. By the way, that you had in the place, you're telling me you don't trust my ability to do that. So I'm going to put artificial sounds right where they belong with the perfect uh, responses every time. That's not a pro wrestling match. That is a simulated creation of a pro wrestling match the same way you would do for a movie or a television show. It's not having faith in the performers to deliver the stipulation that you pushed, which should be insulting to them. But Randy Orton is the kind of guy where I don't even think he gives a shit. Randy Orton just wants to cash his check. And I don't have a problem with that. I have no problem with someone who just wants to cash their check. But any pro wrestler that had that has any, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 sort of uh, pride in their work would have been very insulted by this. And, and, and I, I'm sure that there's some pro wrestlers who would have refused some of the, uh, you know, uh, elements of this. So, you know, all of it was just uh, – it was highly – it all came off very manufactured and artificial. And in spite of all that, these two guys worked their ass off and the final product – uh, ended up being something very enjoyable. It's just a shame that they weren't allowed to attempt it on their own. It was gutless. It was gutless on behalf of the company to not allow those guys to go out there and do that. I don't think it would have been as good as it turned out to be. I think they could have gotten very close. You know, we pick on Randy Orton. 
look, he's a competent pro wrestler. He is. And he can, we talked about it last week, he can peak at that level. Oh, absolutely. If he wants to and needs to, he will. He absolutely will. And he knew he knows how much it meant to Edge to go out there and have a great match. So he said, fuck it, y'all bust my ass for you. Because he can. He can do it. He just chooses not to a lot of times, which is fine. Again, I don't care. I don't I get it. I get the Randy Orton MO. I understand it. But yeah, you understand that, you know, when, when he knows how important this is to Edge, and Edge is obviously a guy who takes a lot of pride in his work. And Orton said, Yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's go we'll, we'll have a great match. We can. And they did. And th- and this was the match they put together. They just carefully reshot all the spots to make sure it was perfect. So it's not like they weren't capable of putting together this level of match. They did. We saw it. Would the execution have been as crisp and perfect? Of course not. Because when you're shooting spots two, three, four times, and then choosing the best one, that's cheating. And again, you may not care. If you're a casual viewer, here's the thing, Rich. I don't think a casual viewer cares, nor should they. They turned on their little WWE network. They watched the match, and if they enjoyed it, that's all that matters. But again, on this show, that's not what we do. On this show, if you produce a match in that manner, you're getting called out on it. And you're not getting credit for it in our little corner of the world. That's not happening. Because it's not the same. That's not Okada and Omega going out there and laying themselves on the line for 60-plus minutes, warts and all. You know, that's not... Uh, and ma- name any match. It doesn't matter. Just name, name any match where they do it the right way. You know, that's not what this was. Right. And I, I did see a, a lot of comparisons or at least people mentioning, you know, guys that would put together matches like a Randy Orton or, or, or a Randy Savage rather and DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, guys that would meticulously lay out, you know, spots and lay out their matches or whatever. And I still think that that's different, though, because like you said, once you walk through that curtain, then. It is what it is. Yes, you might know, you might have an idea, you might have practiced the match or whatever, or you know Sasha and Bailey, or you know where they practice the spots, and some people would say, "Oh, that's not real wrestling because you practice the spots." And and to me, it doesn't because it's still, as you said, you're not. I I don't think you're subverting the, the art form in that sense because you're still going out there. You still have to perform it. You still have to find ways to manipulate the crowd. It is. It's close to this, but it's not the same as. Okay, sorry. Hit the bank statement again, so we can uh, get a better shot of that. Okay, cool. All right, let's do it one more. Like that lose that that ceases to be what it is. And 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 at this show, when we've always said, like you and I have always said that we are, you know, we come at this from the sports sense. And there are a lot of people that don't. There are a lot of people that that cinematic wrestling and 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 all this sort of stuff it, to them it's just a comic book you know wrestling is is a superhero movie a superhero tv show you know whatever it is but you and i have always said we came at it from the sports sense so we always like wrestling that mimics sports and and acts like sports and looks like sports and uh is taken seriously and and the, and the wrestlers want to prove that they're better and all that sort of stuff and like i i yeah that's all that's all the way that we're, we're always going to be on the show and we're always going to kind of say that. And, and to me, I look at it in that sense too, that like, I would, I do the same thing. If like, you know, game seven of the fucking NLCS, they're like, yeah, Kristen Yelich, it'd be cool if you hit a home run here. So let's, you know, yeah, you only grounded out and scored the run. It'd be cool if you hit a, a home run. So let's actually get you back out there and hit the home. Like it, it's not a game anymore. You know what I mean? That's not, it. it's not a sport anymore. If, if we're manipulating it to that level where it's like, ah, that was a good homer, but it'd be really good if it went to like, you know, center field so we can get a better shot of it like that. You lo- you lose it there. And that's that's kind of what I feel like w- w- with this match where it does it does differ from, hey, here's the plan we have. Here's, you know, sort of what we're going to do. Here's the practice that we're going to do for the spot, because once you get out there and once you there, there I, I promise you, even in Savage Steamboat, even in DDP, even in Sasha Bailey, something in that match happened that wasn't exactly the way they wanted it to. And they had to work through it and, and, and get around it or the crowd didn't react exactly the way they wanted. So they had to find a way around it and do that sort of stuff. In this case, 
they didn't have to worry about that. The crowd was being made for them. The match was being pieced together for them. And anytime there was a screw-up, they could immediately go back and, and do it again. If, if there was ever a move that didn't look crisp, they could go back and do it again. If there's something that they didn't feel was right, they could go back and do it again. And that's just, you, you, you're losing. You, you know, that's, that's, it ceases to be a match and just now turns into a video production, a, a movie, like you said. And, and, and some people might be fine with that. Some people might like that. But, but I certainly won't be one of those. And, and if, you know, WWE decides, hey, this is great. We need to do this for all this stuff, you know, all of our big matches or whatever. Then that's when I cease to watch, you know, big WWE matches. Yeah, it's uh, on the subject of, of uh, pre-scripting out match layouts, DDP style, or 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 practicing matches, you know, uh, Sasha Banks style down at the Performance Center. No, that's not the same thing because they're still going out there and they're and they're performing for a live crowd or a live audience or a live to tape audience and uh and and having a bell to bell match in fact i don't even know why we have to explain the distinction it's actually crazy to me that we were getting people arguing the other way it's 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 one of those things where i cannot even understand the counter argument to how this could even be considered a pro wrestling match it's just not it's a frankenstein together series of spots filmed over the course of 4 or 5 hours i you know um we know that the spot where he tore the tricep was was redone at least three times because he tore his tricep on the second or third attempt. We know that they stopped the match at one point to clean up Randy Orton's blood because he was upset about it and he wanted them to film through because we got secondhand information yeah. from someone in the building that they stopped the match and Randy Orton was screaming to Vince McMahon from the ring, let me bleed, let me bleed. Right, and, and, you, and you know why they did that, right? It, it goes uh, to how ridiculous this whole thing was, is that, say Randy Orton rolls into the ring with, with blood on his forehead. He yeah. starts getting blood on the mat. If they want to cut back and forth, and hey, there's, you know, this is, you know, you can't have anything, ha- like, nothing can, if for continuity purposes, you can't have yeah. a giant puddle of blood, you know, in the corner of the ring, and then ten minutes later it cuts to a, a spot, and that speaks to how ridiculous it was that a man couldn't just bleed without it having to stop and, 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 and get cleaned up because it would have ruined potential editing you know later in the match and that again complete now we're, we're we're doing a different thing now this isn't a wrestling match anymore it's a yeah, movie. which shows which does show me he has some level of pride in his work because he probably also understood that the blood helped yeah oh absolutely yeah and it was it was ludicrous because then it cuts and four seconds later there's no blood anymore and it's like oh jesus christ come on and there were other you know if you watch it closely you know there's one there's a couple of different spots where you could see a cameraman in the ring mm-hmm. um you know, there's the one spot that, that Botchamania uh, picked out where Samoa Joe is talking for like 15 seconds and the camera's on him and he's not speaking. You know, and it's like those are more funny than, than anything else, but it just it speaks to the absurdity of it, of, of the whole thing. Um, so, no, it's not a pro wrestling match. I said the same thing for Stadium Stampede. That was not a pro wrestling match in my eyes either. And, and honestly, I'm not even interested in entertaining arguments. I mean – these are not matches because it's not – it's subverting the art form. And if that makes me some upper crust elitist, I'm okay with that. You know, it's, it's sometimes you – you have to draw a line somewhere. You know, and, and like you said, if this is where wrestling is going, I'm not going there with it. You know, I, I talk about it all the time. A lot of these older guys in wrestling, at some point they get their feet stuck in the cement, right, and they stop evolving. Jim Cornette's the best example. If pro wrestling becomes an art form – where the matches are put together in that manner, that's where Joe Lanza's feet go in the cement. I'm not going with wrestling if that's where we're going. 
And, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but to me, I won't get the same enjoyment out of it at that point because there's something about the raw performance and I have a ton of respect. I'm, I marvel at, uh, at, at how good major league pro wrestlers are these days and how they don't, they never blow spots. And that stuff is amazing to me, you know, and that's part of the reason I enjoy it, how skilled that these people are and how talented they are. And, and how they can – I get swept up in suspension of disbelief because they're so good. You know, those are things I love about pro wrestling. And if you're just artificially eliminating the warts, some of the great moments in pro wrestling have come from botches and warts and, and, and things not going the way that they're supposed to go. I don't want a slickly produced Hollywood production when it comes to my wrestling matches, Okay. It helps that they're a little gritty and real. What are we even talking about here? It, it just have matches. I mean, we can't be friends <laughs> matches together. Why am I defending my stand? Pro here? wrestling, like, yeah. <laughs> like, why are you like? What, I, I'm right. I am right. I shouldn't have to be defending myself. You know, I, it, it, it's crazy. Like, this is not. This is lunacy that there, there's people that argued with us, and there wasn't a ton. Believe me. The overwhelming majority of people agree that even if it was enjoyable to them, it was cheating. It what you know, it, it wasn't, and you know, and you could argue end result all you want, right? That that's fine, but it's like I it, it, I don't have the same respect for what they did as what I have dynamite on right now. That, that whatever you know, this tag team title match because they're doing it and it's raw and it's in front of people and it's live to tape, warts and all. That is the art of pro wrestling. Yeah. Not splicing shit together in a fucking video room, uh, you know, in a search for perfection because you didn't have the confidence to deliver on the stipulation and you didn't have the confidence in, in the wrestlers and it was cowardly. And the reason they did it was because now in WWE canon, this is the greatest match ever. This is the greatest match of all time. And you're going to be hearing this repeated forever. This is one of their, you know, this in, in their version of history, this is now the greatest match ever. And they were so cowardly that they went to these lengths to make sure that it was at least something that could reasonably be called that without them looking like complete idiots. Because they were scared that it wasn't going to deliver. Uh, anything else uh, about the match itself? Um, you know, we, we kind of touched on it. Like, I, I enjoyed it a lot as well but mostly the enjoyment that i took from it was a lot of like weird disappointment that like i wish i could just come out of the show and say goddamn you know joe what what a great match you know edge and orton just went out there busted their ass you know edge got hurt but you know if this is his final match what a what a final performance you know randy orton one of the best matches of his his, his career or whatever but i i just can't <laughs> like the entire time as the match is happening i'm saying god this is good and i wish i could just say Good job. Great effort by these guys. Oh, my God. What a great well, I match. Can only, like, but you can't. I, can only, I can only praise them on a, to a certain right. level because right. they didn't have the pressure of live performance. They, had, they were performing with a net, and that changes everything. When they know they can fuck up and that pressure is removed, I can only praise you to a certain – I can praise your hard work. I can praise the end result, but I, cannot, but I can only praise your performance to a certain extent. I can't go all the way with it and say that these guys were phenomenal in the match. They were performing with a safety net. I don't know how many spots they blew. I don't know how many times they had to 
redo all of the cool spots that were in the match. Right, and that, that's well, what I'm left the entire time is thinking, like, God, this is good, but, like, how good was it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what, what was the final result? How many times did they have to redo these things? How many times did they have to recut? You know, what would have it what would it have sounded like in front of a real crowd? What would the PC crowd have? There was too many questions that I had throughout the entire time, and I was left just being ultimately disappointed because by, you know, not by the, the effort by any of the guys, but just disappointed that they just – wouldn't let these guys go out there and just do it and just have a great match. And, and, and that sucks. It's, it, it speaks to just one of the, the, the huge issues in this company. And, and I don't think that we're going to like, this is going to become the norm. Like, I, I don't think this is going to become, you know, something that happens all the time, but I would not be shocked to see it happen every, every so often that, that, you know, when a big time match comes that, that Vince is going to want to put it in the PC and, and control the atmosphere and do that sort of stuff. Because this is kind of, you know, in, in, in a weird way, this is a little bit of what he's kind of always wanted wrestling to be in a lot of way where he can then manipulate it and his editors can manipulate it and, and he can be the director of this show and, and these guys, you know, can go do their own spots and he can say, no, 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 do it again, do it again, do it again, do it better. You know, that's what, and, and that's where I have a little bit of a worry is that like, I'm sure internally they're looking at it like, wow, that was great. You know, they're looking at the response and the response more than not, like you said, is positive of this. And I, and I, I do see it maybe not like it, it's going to be very hard to do it like all the time, obviously, when, when, when crowds come back. But I don't think that this is the last we've seen of this style of a match, a, a Frankenstein's monster-esque, like, you know, putting parts together and redoing spots and that sort of stuff for matches that they truly want to, 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 to you know, stand the test of time. They want to control it because, fuck, they control everything in that company. They control the way you talk. The words you say, the the way that you say the words, you, you know what I mean? Like, the way you walk, the way you enter the ring, the way you look around, the way you interact with the crowd. Like, they control all that, so why would we think that they wouldn't want to control the way that the actual matches are structured and laid out and stuff, too? And and the match responses, which is the essence of pro wrestling yeah. and earning those response, Earning those responses is what pro wrestling is all about. Right, and, and since, yeah, you know, right. they haven't been able to, you know, manipulate a crowd in about six years, that might be the best idea where Vince yeah. goes, goddamn, pal, we don't have to worry about these assholes anymore, you know, ruining yeah, our big matches. Yeah, exactly, because their stories are so terrible that no one responds right, to so them. so Roman can come out and, and the crowd will love Roman Reigns and give him huge cheers and all that sort of stuff, and he'll... You know, Roman, 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 and he wins the match, and it's like, ah, oh, yeah, goddamn, they love him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and it's like, and that's again, that's how we don't truly know that it was a great match because we don't know how. How do we know the crowd would have responded favorably to the match layout that they constructed? We don't know. I suspect the match would have been over, but yeah. we don't know. But we don't know. And at least if they just would have let them go out there with the PC crowd and not treated their crowd, the PC crowd, like a studio audience, and just told them, hey react organically you don't think they would have been enthusiastic they're wrestlers of course they would have been enthusiastic you know it's it's like they're just scared of letting anything be organic in that company and it's part of the reason why that company is so fucking terrible you know i watched raw all the way through because i wanted to watch pritchard's first raw and a lot of other people did too because they quote unquote popped the rating this week and they still did a, isn't that amazing? They just did under 2 million viewers. <laughs> and popped a, hey, and, and champagne is being popped. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're celebrating. They're celebrating for doing a rating that was under 2 million total viewers, which is incredible to me. And don't think for one second that's going to hold up. It was number one, it was post pay-per-view. Number two, there was curiosity because of the, uh, the, the, the change from Heyman to, to Pritchard. And number three, they loaded it up with Christian, Ric Flair, and Big Show. Bruce Pritchard, listen, Rich, we're like Nostradamus. <laughs> I feel so bad like, about the big show thing. Yeah, 
<laughs> I said old guys and Big Show. I didn't. I didn't expect Christian, but old guy Ric Flair and Big Show. Big Show. It's perfect. Oh, yeah. and and they essentially bait bait switch the main event and and tease the main event that they didn't give you they, to achieve that shitty 1.9 million viewers. Okay, they also on top of all of that lied to the audience and said you were getting Christian's return match and then didn't give it to you. That is the lengths they went to to quote unquote pop. 1.9 million viewers. Okay. And the Raw show that I watched, I watched it start to finish. It was bad. It was eventful, but it was bad. And what's, and what's weird about that is like a lot of people thought it was good because the standards are so low now. Okay. You had a bait and switch main event that they didn't deliver on. You had the return of the ninjas, which we're going to talk about later. Uh, you know, you had um, a, a terrible stipulation in the Drew Mc Drew McIntyre's title was on the line in one of those goofy tag team matches where like the other guy can get pinned and you can lose your title. And he was teaming with R Truth, who's a comedy character. Uh, it was just a horrible, horrible wrestling show. And this was considered an improvement from the even more horrible shows that Heyman was putting out there, and from the shittier ratings that the show was delivering with Heyman. Like that's the state of this company right now, where they can have a horrible Raw. But because the standards are so low, people thought it was pretty okay. That's where we're at now with this company. You know, it's it's uh, it, it's bad. You know, I, I it's and this is why people are leaving in droves because Rich, you and I are not the minority opinion anymore. People don't like this shit. You know, and I, I didn't know this rant was coming, but it just kind of spiraled off of the uh, Orton and Edge stuff. But um. You know, Raw, and it's like every time I watch Raw in full, it just strikes me like, okay, so Randy Orton's out there doing a promo, and everybody on Twitter is praising his great promo work, and Randy Orton's doing the best work of his career, both in the ring and on the mic. First of all, his match was a fucking farce, okay, for reasons we already talked about. That's number one. So you people are crazy from that perspective. Number two, because I don't know how good his match was, okay? I don't know how good the match was. So it wasn't a real match. Yeah, the, what if in the first and, two hours they just botched a bunch of spots and they went back and said, okay, we got to redo this entire match, guys. Okay, now here's what you're going to do. Here, like, what if they had an idea for a match? They went out there in the first two hours. It was fucking terrible. You know what I mean? And yeah. Vince threw his headset down and said, God damn it, no. Okay, come on. We're going to redo this. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how you're going to do it. Like, yeah, we, we don't know. We have no idea. We have no idea. And number two, with his promos, he cuts a very good WWE-style pre-written promo. No question about it. But I'm watching his promos on Raw, and while they're very good by the standards of that company, they're just this – it's awful, pre-written, terrible material delivered in that hokey WWE style. And like by any other standard, they're not good promos, right? So it's like when you when you stop watching Raw for a while and you come back to it, you notice these things. Oh, I can't. I can't do it. Like, I've been I've been gone for so long that I watched, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes of Raw on Monday, and it, like, it like physically pained me to watch it. I just immediately quit out. I, I went and turned something else on, and, and, you know, Michelle's sitting next to me. She's like, you can keep watching if you want. I'm like, I, I don't want to. I just, I don't. There's, like, a visceral reaction when you go back to it. It's just so weird. And it's so weird. Like, Orton and Christian are in that opening segment, and it's getting widely praised, and I and I it's weird because I get it, because it's good by those standards. Mm -hmm. But you're watching this, and it's like they're doing that terrible high school play audition style acting, and it's just so unnatural and shitty, and just like you know cringe. 
eye roll inducing fucking unnatural garbage that would get both of those guys thrown out of any fucking acting audition. But it's considered good by the standards of what you normally get in that company. You know, the exaggerated, the Christian making these weird faces, these facial expressions. Just go out. Let them just go out there and t- why am I? Why are we even doing this? It's it's, <laughs> it's, such no waste, it's such a waste of time. You can't. They don't even let them go out there and have matches anymore. Yeah, I was gonna say that you're worried about the promos. They don't even let them have matches anymore without you know saying. And that's why that like you kind of were like, ah, I don't think this is gonna be the norm. And people are like, ah, no, it's not gonna be the norm. Like I, I'm not so sure that it. I mean, I know that obviously there's a limit to what you can do when you're in front of crowds. But if you don't think that some other big time matchup's gonna come. And they're gonna say, you know what? Let's have it be a whatever match, and and, and it's gonna be taped in the PC. Like, I don't think this is the last we've seen of this. I really don't. It, 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 for Vince, this is is the, the perfect solution to what he's always been struggling with. It, it is the one thing he could never control is when the bell rings. A lot of that stuff he could never control. He can now. Yeah, yeah, and just create his own artificial reactions, you know, so that might be, you, you contend that this could open a Pandora's box. I think that would be disastrous. I'm fucking done. I'm fucking done. They've they've got their TV deals, you know, I get it. And man, are they lucky because, you know, the raw that I watched the other night was 2000 WCW. That's what it was. That's how bad it was. Just the hokiness and the bad stipulations and, I felt like I was watching Dying Days WCW. I was watching a Vince Russo show. I, I mean that. It was a Vince, you know, and that's what Pritchard's going to do. That's what SmackDown has been to some extent. Uh, you know, you had the Miz and Morrison challenge and Braun for the title. I mean, that's Pritchard. It's garbage. It's reductive garbage. And, um, you know, it's uh, – I don't know what, what. I guess we should break down the backlash. Yeah, show. yeah. I, let, let's let's do that. So <clears throat> we'll start. We'll start. We'll actually go, kind of work our way uh, back. I think that's an interesting way uh, to do it because while while we're all angry and, <laughs> and stuff, I don't know if I can be even angry about this. But Viking Raiders Street Profits, whatever the holy fuck this was, Joe. I I was following on Twitter on Sunday as the show was going on. I wasn't watching it live. Um, I followed on Monday. I, I read reviews, I listened to recap shows, and people, you know, briefly talked about this Viking Raider Street Profits thing or whatever, and then I watched it yesterday, and I am blown away by how utter fucking shit this was. This was the worst thing this company has ever fucking produced. This was, I I, I almost wanted to text you and just say, I'm not, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not doing the show anymore. I'm not talking WWE anymore. This is the worst shit ever. Can I please skip this? And it never fucking ended. And then it ended without any real result whatsoever because there was fucking ninjas. Yeah. Like, I, I'd i love to, like, read a recap of this. Just to let the, people that did not see it, that you would not believe the, the amount of utter shit that was on my television screen for 25 minutes during this horrid fucking segment. Awful. I don't. I don't even think it's hyperbole, Rich. It it is arguably the worst thing they've ever produced, and they have produced mountains of just unfunny or flat out offensive. Or um, do I still have you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay. Um, I've not had a heart oddly, attack. I'm still alive. So. It got oddly quiet. I did. I thought maybe we got uh, uh, disconnected, and I get nervous because it's live now. Um, 
and I should have taken my piss before the show because I have to piss for three hours now. Um, I never think about that. But, but, you know, they've done some offensive shit. They've done some just horrible, unfunny shit. Whatever this thing was, it wasn't funny. It wasn't entertaining. It didn't make any semblance of sense. And it was arguably the worst thing that this company has ever produced. And when you think about the ground that covers, that's incredible. I don't even know how to react to it. It was just over-the-top, hokey, stupid. It was just stupid. Okay, so, so I, here's, I, here's the, here's the write-up on WWE.com. This is going to be great. Are you ready for this one? I God, this is going to be great. Because they're going to try to make it sound like it was like, you know, made sense. And I mean, there was an alligator in the dumpster at the I end. And, nothing was funny. Not even, Joe, not even the fucking crack of a smile not one point did any of my teeth reveal themselves while i was watching this it's, it's like you said a couple of weeks ago if, if you fought like with the money in the bank i would love to know people who think this kind of stuff is funny like what else they think is funny like what else are you watching when you aren't watching wrestling that you consider humorous if you think any of this i mean like you said you i didn't even crack a smirk I was so befuddled at what was on the screen that I couldn't even – where were the jokes? What was supposed to be funny? Anyway, go ahead and read it. All right. <clears throat> While the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders didn't wage a war in the ring for the Raw Tag Team titles as expected, they did treat the WWE Universe to a surreal brawl at WWE Backlash. The fisticuffs began in the parking lot with the incidental destruction of Braun Strowman's car. How many cars? Why can we just not do cars for a week? When I saw fucking Braun Strowman slowly backing into a parking spot, I'm like, what are we doing? Ugh. He's not cool. He's slowly backing into a parking spot. Ugh. Right? Like, how ridiculous was that? This wasn't even the... Because they, bro- they, 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 they destroyed his car in this segment, but earlier in the show, you see a, uh, like some fucking old Buick pull up. I don't know nothing about cars, so it doesn't mean a goddamn thing to me or whatever. They're like, nothing to me. They're like, oh, that's, that's Braun Strowman's, uh, <laughs> you know, Buick car. Da, 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 da. Like, wow, what, what a car. What a nice car. And as this is going on, Braun Strowman is slowly backing into the parking spot. Like yeah. he's trying to get the best spot at fucking Kohl's. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I just fucking parked the car. Like, like he's supposed to be this bad. Did, did Stone Cold Steve Austin ever parallel park in the lines? Yeah, he's right? backing in. He, you're right. He wants to be able to leave quickly. He's <laughs> right? What are we mad. doing? Stone Cold yeah. had a fucking monster truck, and he'd run over everyone else's car and then just get out of it with a beer in his hand. Yeah. That that was a star. This guy is slowly making sure he's in the lines. You know, I don't want to. want to. You know, someone to open the door and hit your side of your car or whatever. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He wants to make sure that you know he doesn't have to look behind him. He's, there's no rear view camera uh, in his yeah. old uh, classic car, so he wants to make sure he can pull out as quick as possible. What are we doing? Yeah. And that's supposed to be cool. I'm supposed to think, oh, wow. <laughs> like, look yeah. at that guy. <laughs> like, yeah. The only reason you do that back end move is when you're running into the grocery store and you want to get home and get started on dinner. Right. So you don't want to have to. <laughs> right. you, so you want to save those eight seconds that it would take to, uh, you know, look in your rear view and back out. So, you know, but you're losing the same time backing into the spot. Yeah. So it's, it's fucking ridiculous. Lot... It's absurd. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. the fisticuffs began in the parking lot with the incidental destruction of Braun Strowman's car before spilling into the WWE Performance Center. Chant- okay, stop. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Okay, stop. So I'm going to do this a lot. Yeah, so, go ahead. Go, please do. Please do. One thing about Vince McMahon is he thinks we all really care when someone's car gets destroyed. <laughs> right. I don't know why we would have ever cared. Why do I care I don't give two if shits Braun Strowman's car gets destroyed? Old Buick got ruined. 
I couldn't give a shit. They, but they really think we care about that. Like we, they really think that we, like, are vicariously live through that. Like, Rich, a meteor could hit my car right now, and I would not care. I, I, I you just my call the car. insurance company and say, "Hi, a meteor hit my car." So what can we do about yes. this? Yeah, exactly. Anna J is on my screen. Let me tell you. Oh, that's the real smoke show. Yeah, enjoying it, Rich. Enjoying it, but you may continue. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Um, no, I think one time I remember as a kid the, the, when the uh, I think Stone Cold ran over uh, the Rock's car with the uh, a monster truck, and it was like a Buick LeSabre. And I remember at the time it wasn't even like a cool car. And I was like, why do I care? I was like twelve, and I was like, I don't fucking care. The Rock's an asshole. Fuck him. Like, yeah. But it was not done for sympathy. It was done for Stone Cold to be an asshole and and, and prove that he was like he was making fun of the Rock by destroying his car. Which is different than in this case where Braun Strowman was supposed to be like upset or I, who the fuck knows. Anyway, channeling. The- and, and the other thing is, I have never thought a pro wrestler was cooler because I saw their car. Because <laughs> you saw them drive a car. Yeah. yeah. Oh like, man, I've that guy has a car. Them. That's cool. <laughs> There's not a single instance. Not Eddie Guerrero. Not Stone Cold. Not uh, not the fucking revival in their old tiny yeah. pickup. Maybe truck. Alberto. Alberto used to have some pretty nice rides. He's you know not Alberto. Oh, I like the Alberto J- car. I will say I like not, the Alberto car. Not JBL. There isn't a single wrestler I've ever seen that I've thought he is cooler because of the car he's driving to the match. Anyway, they're putting Abaddon on Dynamite. Oof. I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, channeling uh, the prowess he recently demonstrated on Raw, Ivar sent a bowling ball straight into Montez Ford's groin. So they're stealing from the Brahmin brothers here, yeah. basically. The combatants moved back outside. So that was that quick, quick little jaunt in the performance center. We're back outside. Uh, the combatants moved back outside after Ivar and Angela Dawkins went through a glass door. But they soon found themselves encircled by an apparent ninja motorbike gang led by none other than former NXT Cruiserweight champion Akira Tozawa. Akira Tozawa making stereotypical Asian noises. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, the entire time while they're wearing cloths on their faces. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. The man who, the man who I think played a huge role in Kai and Tai doing the indeed, you know, uh, uh, Godzilla fake voiceover stuff. Now in charge of uh, Akira Tozawa's yeah. motorbike gang. So correct, ninja motorbike gang. I'm sorry, yeah. ninjas. Yes. We're bringing ninjas back. It's fucking ridiculous. Temporarily joining forces as the Viking prophets, the foursome mowed them down one at a time until Tozawa revealed a giant masked ninja, nearly twice his size, fully equipped with a sword. Yes. So this giant seven foot three ninja also had a sword. This is a performance center guy who used to be a college basketball player at, I believe, South Florida. Yes. Um, maybe he's talented. He's obviously a good athlete. Uh, you always worry about the freak show giants in terms of their mobility and their agility and things like that. But who knows? Maybe he'll be really good. The thing is, if he turns out to be a major star, it's not going to be because of this. This will be looked at as his Oz. This is like Kevin Nash as Oz. The yeah, thing that the look Deacon Batista. The Deacon Batista that they go, oh, well, he was saddled with this. And then he became a star. It's like... Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, this is just horrendous. You cannot become a star off of this. This You got to pivot in another way. So, look, it's good. The guy's getting on TV, but I kind of feel bad for him because this is, again, and we're not the only ones saying this. Like, I've seen this opinion in many places that this is legitimately the worst thing the company has ever done. But you may continue. Uh, fleeing atop a WWE semi-truck. Yes, another vehicle, in case you're curious. The temporary allies renewed hostilities before all four fell below into a dumpster. 
highlighted by an encore edition of Air Ivar. This is when the uh, alligator was in there too, because that yes. was funny. I... There was a alligator. Yeah. yeah. I, what is going on? What are we doing here? <laughs> With their crash landing apparently stirring a growling beast awake, all four men quickly exited to instead continue the riv- rivalry on another day. It is so much worse. <laughs> Can we not talk describe. about this company ever again? Yeah. They, so they were throwing. So they threw bowling balls and groins. Um, they went through the, the glass when it was fucking terrible. The ninja gang showed up in, in helmets and, and, and stereotypical ninja gear. They The camera cuts were bad. Ivar had a fucking meat. He was just carrying meat with him the entire time. Or Mary was Eric. I forget who. Just what are we doing? <laughs> the referee so comes up and goes, what are you guys doing? You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be in the ring. <laughs> How bad yeah. was that? Yeah, here's the whole thing. This was a match. This was supposed to be a match. This is a match. I don't know who won, but it's supposed to be a match on top of everything else. And it's way worse than that description describes. Yeah, like, you, you almost have to watch it. I, w- I would actually recommend most people watch it, unfortunately. No, this so. is must watch. You have to watch this. You have to watch. This is Triple H fucking Katie Vick. Like, you, you, mm-hmm. you have to yeah, watch yeah, it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the level we're talking here. Um, yeah, utterly horrendous. This was one of the weirder pay-per-views they've ever done. Um, you know, with the whole carefully constructed fake match in the main event and this fucking mess and then like the count out in the in the <laughs> like this is just this is just a weird I didn't even hate the show, honestly. No, like, actually thought, go, going back, I actually liked most of the matches, but I also fucking hated the show. It's weird. It was weird. Cuz everything yeah, in between was like the idea. worst shit you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I guess we should talk about the yeah. actual matches that took place on the show at some point. Um, yeah, let's, 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 shit along. Yeah, let's get going. There's a so, lot happening. Uh, let me tell you, there's a lot happening on this dynamite. There you go. Sound off here. I won't. I, I won't, But yeah, you, there's a there's a a uh, hot little show. Can't say can't say I like everything happening, but there's a lot happening. I don't know how I feel about Abaddon. I. That's not Joe Lanza gimmick, Rich. Crawling through the <laughs> ring like a monster and bleeding out of the mouth. And I feel like you should send that to Impact with the Undead Realm and just so I don't have to pay attention to it. Just so I could, you know, I, I it's, I don't know how I feel about it, Rich. Yeah, but Don, not a big fan. Anyway. Uh, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley. So Drew McIntyre retains the title, defeats Bobby Lashley. That was a good little match between these guys. I, I enjoyed this. Not great. I think their Impact match we talked about that happened a few years ago was probably a little bit better. But I thought this was this was pretty damn good. What is this now? What are we talking about? Uh, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard hitting, stiff. Um, yeah, I thought this was a really good match. You know, um, three and three quarters, flirting with the notebook. Yeah. I think there was one other match that was at that level two on this show. But, you know, I thought these guys, they've had good chemistry in the past, like we talked about last week, and I thought they'd go out there and have a, a good hard hitting match, and that's what this was. Uh, Braun Strowman defeated The Miz and Morrison in a two-on-one handicap, retained his title. This was fucking terrible. Just utter shit. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got no use for this. It doesn't even matter whether the work was good or anything. Cares, I don't yeah. – it's just – it like the, 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 the video package leading into the match was the second – may have been the second worst thing. Oh, the, 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 the music video that they did? Yeah, yeah. like Miz and Morrison's antics and uh, – it's, it's cringe. It's not funny. It's not entertaining. It's just – and I already have a low tolerance for comedy. I don't know if you've noticed, Rich, 
but I already have a low tolerance for like fucking utter nonsense. But then when it's not funny on top of it, it just it's, so then how can I care about the match? Like why why would I be invested in this at all? To me, it's not even really a match in the sense that it's like it's just a long comedy segment, you know. And and I don't know, it's no use for it. I have nothing to add. It's just uh, it's just Bruce Pritchard garbage. All right, and then we had the uh, <laughs> Oscar Nia Jax match that ended in a double countout. Joe, I want to read you how uh, Tom Phillips got us ready for this match. You ready? Yeah. Quote. This is uh, face fuck Phillips here. Uh, right now, we are getting set for the Raw Women's Championship match between our eccentric and charismatic champion Asuka and her monolithic opponent, the towering Nia Jax. Whew. Right now, we are getting set for the Raw Women's Championship match between our eccentric and charismatic champion Asuka and her monolithic opponent, the towering Nia Jax. You know, it's just so wordy. You know what I was watching the other day, and it ties into this nicely. I was watching, there's a, on the network... I just wanted some background noise and they have like these uh, best of uh, playlist sort of deals. And I watched the one for the Nexus. So it takes you through the whole history of the Nexus with the angle, the big angle on raw with the, where Daniel Bryan gets fired. And then all of the steps along the way, you know, Wade Barrett, the John Cena thing, you know, the whole storyline, it's actually put together very well, but I'm watching this Nexus playlist on the network. And if you recall, Rich, every time the Nexus uh, cut a promo on Raw, each member of the Nexus would yes. take turns on the mic for right. a couple Michael, seconds. Michael Tarver needed right. his 15 seconds to talk, yes. Right. And then it would end with Wade Barrett because he was the leader, and then he would cut the longer part of the promo, right? But So they'd all stand there with their armbands in a line, the seven of them, because Brian got fired immediately, and they brought him back for SummerSlam, remember, as the mystery partner oh, yes. of, the, yeah, of, uh, of the babyface side. Um but anyway, so every time they were in the ring doing a promo. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, I'm setting these things off. It's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, 
and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Every time they would hand the mic off, Michael Cole would have to quickly describe who the man was and what he was all about because we're stupid and we need to be retold all the time. So it'd be like Tarver would talk and he'd hand the mic over and Michael Cole would go, that's Justin Gabriel. He's from South Africa and he's a high flyer of the highest order. And then Justin Gabriel would talk. And he would hand over the mic and he would go, now Skip Sheffield from College Station, Texas, 280 pounds and as tough as it gets. And it would go all down the line and he would describe <laughs> these guys. every si- And then he would do that every time they did a promo each week on Raw because we're so stupid that we can't remember who anybody is. And this Vince McMahon doctrine of treat every show and every segment like someone's watching for the first time. Is there any other television show on earth that have you ever turned on an episode of the Sopranos and Tony's sitting there at the bing and Christopher walks in and Tony turns to the camera and goes, that's my nephew, Christopher. (laughs) I think he has questionable leadership abilities, but I'm, I'm grooming him anyway for a spot at Capo, but he really has to solve those, uh, those substance abuse issues. No, they don't do that. Okay. Because if you're watching for the first time, 40 minutes into the show, you're going to get the gist of who he is if the show is done well. You don't need to explain it every time. It's ridiculous. And it's just – and, and that's what you're talking about here. You know, it's like it's, it's everything is just so wordy and over-explained and, and pounding in your head. And when you go away from this company for a while and come back, it's just all the more annoying. When you watch every week – you kind of get this Stockholm syndrome and you like it. You don't even notice how absurd that their language is and, 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 and the way that they do things. Well, I always say like, imagine the first time someone stumbles upon the show, they're, they're flipping channels. They see raw, like whatever happens. The first, you, there's no way that you could possibly ever. It's so weird. It's not like it, it's, it's so unique. It's like an alien world. When you come in here, nobody talks normal. Everyone talks weird. Everything looks weird. Everybody acts strangely. Like, I don't feel like you would ever come back to this. I feel like you would. And well, clearly they don't. But yeah, stuff like this. Like, why do we need the eccentric and charismatic champion Asuka versus the monolithic towering Nia Jax? What are we doing? I I don't know. Well, anyway, they had no idea how to finish this match. So we did a double count out. So great. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. <laughs> they're really they're, they're, they're really pushing Nia Jax as the largest and most dangerous woman in the history of the promotion. So they don't want to beat her. So they're, they're, look, they're doing this thing where Nia Jax is getting a big push. They'll give up on it in fucking six weeks. You know, and she'll she'll either get injured or go away and they'll bring her back and they'll rinse repeat and they'll do all this again. It's just, you know, she never gets over. So I don't know. They're in a phase where they're really into Nia Jax. 
You know, uh, Seamus, Jeff Hardy. Are, are you done with Oscar Nia Jax? Do you have anything else to say? Yeah, just you know, every every six months, my brother gets way into his paintball guns, and then he plays with them for a fucking <laughs> week, and then he then he forgets that he has them, and then a year later, he's really into his paintball guns again. That's that's Oscar. Oscar is my brother's paintball guns. Is he? Uh, is he, he's a paintball or airsoft? Is he? He's paintball for sure. Fuck do I not? Oh, okay, I don't know. We'll ask him next time. I I, he's like, all I know is every six months he's like, "Nah, I can't talk Saturday. I'm going paintballing, you know, or some shit like that." Or uh, look at this new paintball gun I bought. And I'm like, I don't know anything about it. I'm not I pressed. Yeah. yeah, you said you're showing the wrong guy. Like, I, I okay, you tell me if it's good. I, you know, I can't put you over because I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about the fucking hobby, you know. But uh, I have a buddy who was know, a that, competitive uh, paintballer. He traveled the country, traveled the world. Doing paintball is pretty cool. Yeah, so. so that's how you knew all these details that yeah. went right over my head. So I don't know. Uh, Seamus Jeff Hardy. This went 16 minutes. I would say I think this is my favorite match of the night. This was really goddamn good. I was not anticipating this match at all, given that it was surrounded by like the story was a, a fake DUI and piss being thrown on people and, and stuff. Did you did you catch that Fox basically fucking took the piss away from the uh, West Coast feed? On, on yes. SmackDown, you said that's incredible that they're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Even Fox is like, no, we're not going to show somebody throwing piss on somebody else. No, we're not doing it. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. they rip up the contract then, too. Uh, anyway, uh, Rich, <laughs> this is two, Rich, this is 2000 WCW. I'm, I know. I, I've been saying it for a while. The, they, they, were towing, they were towing the line of 98 to 99. They have fully dove into 2000 WCW at this point. And, and uh, yeah. honestly, I'm here for it. I, I, I'm ready for it. So, uh, Seamus Jeff Hardy, what would you think of, of this one? I thought Jeff Hardy was phenomenal in this match. Yeah, he was great. His selling, his bumping, flying around. Uh, Sheamus is the perfect guy to throw him around and beat the shit out of him. And uh, I thought it was a really good match that was, you know, badly hurt by being in the COVID era, you know, with like a lot of matches have been. But, um, yeah, right up there. I mean, I think I liked it. I liked it better than uh, than the uh, – um, why am I blanking? The, oh, the, the Drew McIntyre Lashley match. Yeah, right? oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And, and to me, those were probably the two best matches on the show if we're throwing out the main event. Um, you know, the main event was the best thing on the show. But, you know, we had the whole conversation about it. But, yeah, this was a um, a really good match, and I thought Jeff Hardy in particular really stood out. Uh, and then we had uh, Bailey, Sasha Banks. They uh, retained their Raw women or the uh, the women's titles, uh, defeating Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, and the I, I- Iconics. Um, I thought this was good. I thought this was a decent enough match. The Iconics are, are still fucking terrible, but I thought uh, Bailey and Sasha. I, I I like the team a lot. I think they're pretty solid, and and, and Bliss and Cross are pretty good. The Iconics, obviously, like I said, are they they exist and they're there. But uh, yeah, I thought this was like fine. It didn't overstay its welcome. Eight minutes in and out. Uh, it wasn't great. Not a match that I would say go out of your way to watch, but I didn't think it was terrible at, at, at any level. Decent little opener, but what I want to talk about is, do you know what this company has the nerve? Do you know what they're doing with Sasha Banks and Bailey? Because I know you kind of check out. You might uh, know. I know they're on NXT right now, right? They are doing the thing where they go everywhere and defend the titles. <laughs> and it's like, why didn't you do this originally to establish the fucking titles? When they said they were going to do that, too. And that's why Sasha yeah. and Bailey were so pissed off. Because they were told, hey, you're going to go all over the place and defend these titles. And then they said, actually, no, we're going to give it to the Iconics. Because they're funny. And then yeah. now we're back to it. When Now that the titles don't mean a goddamn thing anymore, now we're there. So. Now that, Exactly. Now no one cares about the titles. And it's unfortunate because they're, they're working really hard. But it's like this is what they should have done way back when they won them originally and now they're doing it 
you know, in the COVID era where you can't even do it properly. So it just makes you sick, you know. And, you know, I didn't even intend to bury them this week. It's like <laughs> I can't – you talk about WWE and you just can't – you can't come away with it. Every week on the Thursday TV reviews, I watch NXT and it's always like fairly decent. The last couple of weeks have been weird. But it's like I don't intend. And then by the end of – if you listen to me review NXT – I start off fine, and by the end of it, I'm fucking disgusted. And I cannot wait to just stop the show and go fucking, you know, punch a heavy bag or eat some lunch or something. Because it's like it disgusts me the more I talk about this company. It's just so not for me that it's just uh, the frustration just ends up boiling over. Exactly what's happening here. And this wasn't all that bad of a show, to be completely honest. <laughs> it was pretty good. There was just the absurdity in between the stuff that was good was was, was definitely next level. Uh, did you you did not watch the pre-show, right? I did not watch. the Okay, pre-show. so Apollo Crews defeated Andrade to uh, retain his U.S. title. So that was that. X out. Okay. Thank God we're done with WWE. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about New Japan, baby. New Japan Cup. What have you thought? Oh well, for five dollars, you can know everything I thought about the first two shows. Uh, they want to hear you, Rich. Uh, all of the, the the paying customers are well aware of my thoughts. Yeah, um, right, right. I won't listen. Yeah, I you know I, I won't do my expanded thoughts, but we don't know what you thought of anything. So, uh, have you seen both nights, or are you working with one night here? Uh, I've seen both nights. I've seen both nights. I skipped the tag matches um, on, on the nights, though. I just went right to the the, the New Japan Cup matches, but I have seen uh, all the New Japan Cup matches, and so far, I'll say you know thumbs up. I've really enjoyed. Uh, some of the stuff. There has been some real shitty matches. Oh, there have been some shitty matches. But I think the, the good is well, well outweighed uh, the bad so far in these two nights. And I think New Japan is doing a really good job of the, the, the empty arena. Um, uh, you know, they're lighting it pretty well. The sound is pretty good. It feels... It, it, yes, it's kind of weird. Yes, it still kind of sucks that there's no fans there. But I think they're... I put them in the upper echelon for sure of empty arenas. It's, it's bright. There's, you know, they're filling space with, you know, light boxes and, 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 and filling the space with video boards and that sort of stuff. So that helps a lot as well. And the work, I mean, new Japan is just, you know, their workers are so good at, at, at sort of emoting and making noise and, 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 you know, filling in those little gaps that, that I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I miss the fans, but I, I feel like they're doing a pretty goddamn good job uh, of empty arena, but, but I am definitely anxious for them to get uh, to, you know, soccer Joe hall and, and get some fans in the arena. Uh, for sure, but let's um, yeah. Just, so oh, go, um, go ahead. Yeah, what what are your thoughts overall on on, on their live event? I haven't been or a theirs. fan of their. I haven't been a fan of their empty arena. I I think it's lower tier, um, in terms of lining up. The, I just it feels just as sterile to me as Noah. Um, so nah, I can't wait for it to finish. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't. They really need some. They need fans. They need either wrestlers or hangers on or somebody at ringside to give a little atmosphere because. Um, you know, I think uh, several of the matches have been hurt by the atmosphere, and, and, and several good matches that ended up being good matches anyway have been hurt by the uh, by the dry atmosphere. So um, it hasn't been quite as bad. As no- Noah's the worst. I was gonna I say, mean, can you please don't like Noah makes no attempt to make it seem like you're not at a fucking funeral home while you're watching these shows. So, but the thing, but, the th- but here's the thing though, Noah's also doing 35 minute matches, right? So. If if these eight man tags were going fucking a half hour, I think it would be the same as Noah. You know, it's but what New Japan has done well is they've they've kept the match lengths very smart. Both shows, the first two matches are eight or nine minutes, and then the tag match goes like twelve minutes. The semi main event gets fifteen minutes, and the main event gets twenty. That's perfect. That's perfect. So the length of the matches has been good. So that that would be the qualifier I would put on it. 
The atmosphere itself, though, struggles. But I really feel like if the matches were going the same length as Noah, you'd see the same flaws. I mean, potentially, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's definitely... Um, night one, uh, the Togi Makabe uh, Yota Suji match, kind of surprising how good that was. I thought Togi Makabe really... You could tell Togi Makabe thinks that Suji's is has got something, that he believes in him, that he thinks he's, he's a good hand, he's a good kid or whatever, because... Togi was out here. He's taking bombs. He's bumping all over that. Either Togi Makabe really missed wrestling or he thinks Yoda Suji's got something. But I was shocked to see. To- I thought this would be f- two minutes in and out. King Kong knee drop going backstage. But Togi, he, he was busted his ass in this match. I'll give him that for sure. Uh, I got caught up with the original death dealer here. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, that match was shockingly good. You know, and, and um, I really like the finish where Suji slaps him in the face, and then Makabe just lariats his head off, and then gives him a German suplex. Enough of this shit. I'm just putting this. Geek yeah, away. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a yeah. good structure of match. Good, good solid stuff. Yeah, I like that Makabe gave you know Suji some offense to kind of establish that. Yeah, he's a young lion, but he's he's an up and coming young lion. He's got his stuff together. But no, at the end of the day, I'm just gonna fucking kill you and, and beat you. So um, then we had, <laughs> then we had Toroyano and Jado, which. I know you love Jado. Jado's your guy. This man never, ever, ever, ever needs to get in a wrestling ring ever again. He Wait looks a like second. no. When was when has Jado been my guy? When, when <laughs> you is... love his Noah booking. You were a big fan of Jado. Anyway, continue. Um, he looked like you know we always laugh about Dory Funk, and and those sort of guys that look like they're just gonna like burst into pieces at any point like they're gonna take a bump and their body will just cease to be a whole being and it will just like crumble into dust or whatever jado looked like he what the hell this guy can't even walk anymore what the hell happened to jado i mean we saw it i mean he it wasn't like he was you know he wasn't bouncing over the ring (laughs) he wasn't fucking you know tiger mask but good god he's just you know he's an emergency fill-in he doesn't want to he's he's in pain I know I, look, he's in pain. I was in pain watching him. It's, it's. I took ibuprofen after watching this match. It was. It, listen, Yujiro basically worked the match. I mean, that's. That, can we be honest here? I mean, Yujiro, with his two or three run-ins, did all of Jado's work for him because Jado can't move. So I mean, he's fifty-one. Uh, like, why is his body this shot? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he looks like I, he needs a cane. Like, are we sure he doesn't need a cane like in his normal life? Like. I had to wonder, like, did we really need Jado in there? We had nobody else that we could bring. Nobody else could wrestle. So what? I don't care. 30 years this biz. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I right? yeah, one of the, I, the back had something fun on it, too, but I forget what it said. But, 30 uh, years this biz. No, that uh, – oh, no, oh, right, you're right, because the front said. <laughs> so what? I don't care. Yeah, so what? I don't care. 30 years this biz. So what, comma, I don't care. Yeah. And back said 30 years this biz. You know? I hope they That's sell that still- one. Would you buy that if they sold it? I know you're not a wrestling shirt guy, but I feel like you'd buy that one. Uh, sure. Listen, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling, $5 tier. I review the shows every day, and I stated behind the paywall I would wear that shirt. Absolutely. And I so you are a Jado guy. Have- See, you're a Jado guy. It's all right. I haven't worn a wrestling shirt since ECFNW <laughs> in 1996 <laughs> to the arena. You know, And I was so self-conscious about wrestling shirts back. I would take it off after the show and put on oh, a different Oh, you shirt lame ass. Home. Oh, you're so I, lame. I'm- I'm weird about wrestling shirts. I just is never you didn't want like a thing. girl to see you, and you had to explain exactly. why you're wearing an ECFNW shirt. Yeah, that's exactly. You don't want a like, girl to explain why you have a the homicidal, suicidal, <laughs> genocidal Sabu on your shirt. So, yeah, it ain't for everyone. Like right. written on the back. Like I, I don't want to explain that. Like if we stop somewhere to get something to eat, 
and I want to hit on the waitress or something, I, I can't. That's embarrassing, you know? So I would take it off. I would only wear the shirt specifically. I think I have an ROH hoodie, too. But there's a story behind that one. I didn't buy the ROH hoodie because I wanted the ROH hoodie. I bought the ROH hoodie because it was chilly in New York City that night, and I wanted something to wear home. So I, I bought it at the show. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I wore it home and then never wore it again. But, <laughs> it's um, a nice hoodie. I'll, I'll take it if you don't need to. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was like the, like all they had left was like medium. I remember it was very uncomfortable. Like it was super oh, tight. That's not going to work. Then. <laughs> never mind. Yeah, medium. I, yeah, that's not going to work. Like, nothing but medium. And the guys were like, oh, what do you want? It's the end of the show. You know, it was like it was some age of the fall match. And I'm like, I'm not watching this. Jimmy yeah. Jacobs. So I, I went and bought the hoodie. And uh, to wear home, and I never wore it again. But I, st- I think I actually, I don't have the ECW shirt anymore. But I think I have the ROH hoodie. I used to use Jimmy Jacobs segments as uh, time to go to the merch uh, table as well, pick up some Noah DVDs and stuff. So. Yeah, Jimmy Jacobs. I'd see him walk through the curtain. I go, okay, all right. I might need anything. I'll be up. <laughs> you know, want something to drink? You know, some pizza. I'll be right back. So yeah, Jimmy Jacobs versus BJ Whitmer equaled pizza time. <laughs> right. That's what that equaled. So, you know, there's people who think that was the best feud in Ring of Honor history, BJ Whitmer and Jimmy Jacobs. Just, I don't know, man. I was going to Ring of Honor shows for something entirely different than Jimmy Jacobs putting a spike into BJ Whitmer's forehead. I, that's not what I wanted to see when I went to Ring of Honor. I would have been going to CZW shows if I wanted that. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't what I, I understand variety. I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it held its place on the card, but yeah, not for me. Not what I really wanted to see. It's not what so. I wanted. Yeah, not what I wanted. Anyway. Uh, Hiromu and Hanma. So this is an interesting match. So I watched the tag match. Um, I don't. Do, do we really need to talk about? It? You, you probably talked about it. Behind the paywall. So whatever. We're just gonna go to New Japan Cup matches. Uh, Hiromu and Hanma. This went 18 minutes, 45 seconds. Hiromu gets the win uh, over Hanma. I know that you and I have, I think, a little bit of different takes on this because I thought this was really good. I thought this was the best Hanma has looked in maybe five years like honestly it, it been that long since Hanma really felt like he he was healthy enough to have a match like this no was it Hanma of 2013 of course not he, he's nowhere near that level yet and he, I don't think he can uh, get to that level but I thought all things considered uh pretty good stuff and I thought Hiromu worked well with Hanma there was a few spots that were just like oh dear god what is Hanma doing <laughs> like there was one time where Hiromu you know drop kicks him and Hanma's neck falls into the guardrail and I'm like whoa dude <laughs> like what are you doing and then he takes you know the the Death Valley driver on the uh the apron and that was sick too but i thought hama worked his ass off no was it like a tremendous incredible match but it's not to that level but i thought this was really really good and i, I enjoyed it all 18 minutes went by pretty quick and, and i was into the story of hama just goddamn he's gonna hit a kokashi and he's gonna win this thing and of course he didn't uh, he missed all the kokashis but still i thought i thought this was really good work by both guys but uh you have a slightly different take on it correct I went four stars on it. Oh, then okay. <laughs> you just you just thought it was sad I mean, to see. No, I thought. Look, the first seventy five percent of the match, Hanma looked atrocious. I mean, um, it was Hiromu working down to Hanma's level. You know, uh, waiting around forever for Hanma to complete his spots and 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 you know, uh, working a, uh, you know, drilling the speed down to a to a speed that Hanma could handle. And but the closing stretch was incredible. Because it was like Hanma channeling, you know, he didn't, he, you know, he's never going to have that same athleticism or range of motion or he moves in such a stiff, weird way. Um, but they managed to put together a compelling final quarter of the match. And, um, but I can't go any higher. I mean, it's a, it's probably a charitable four, but I can't go any higher than that because the first half of the match was just 
it was it was a glaring example of one wrestler working down to the level of another. So, uh, but yeah, this was easily the best post broken neck Hanma match for sure. Yeah, and this might be the best it ever gets for him as well. It may, it may have been a combination of like that entire time off and 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 a, an opponent that he was really excited about because I can't imagine ever seeing Hanma be able to get to this level uh, ever again. And he's never going to be in a position to have a match like this really ever again. And that's probably why he stepped up in this as well because he's never going to be in a G in a normal G1 he's of course not going to be there in this tournament if it, if it didn't go the way it was going to go he probably you know what I mean like so it, it's it's yeah it, it probably is the last time we're going to see Hanma in a match like this so it was, it was cool to go out like that uh and and yeah it was nice to at least see that he is still capable of having you know competent matches after like honestly it felt like you know towards the end of last year and I think I even wrote in the ebook that like it might just be time for him to just like or for New Japan to just be like, dude, it's it's probably over. Like it, it, it's done because he looked really, really bad. He looked like Jado bad for for a while there. But um, this, you know, good effort here by by him. So good to see him at least semi healthy. Uh, and then the main event fucking rocked. Ishii versus El Desperado. How great was this match, Joe? Twenty minutes back and forth. Ishii just being a badass. Desperado telling Ishii, "I'm taller than you." By the way, Ishii going, "You motherfucker!" Just headbutting him. <laughs> just oh my god. Just how great was this match between these two guys? Desperado, you know, we always say that he's a guy who I, I don't think gets enough love uh, for how good he is. He was tremendous in this match. And told me here, motherfucking Ishii, it's just like you know, what do you say anymore? <laughs> you know, anybody, any opponent, this dude can have a great, like literally any wrestler in the world. I feel like this guy could have like a three and a half star minimum match with. That's yeah, great. I mean, they told a great story. Um, you know, and, 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 and it was typical Ishii. It was just, you know, the guy just, he rolls out of bed and, and, and has these, these great matches and Despy, I think is very underrated, um, you know, on a larger scale. And, uh, there was that great spot where, um, no, I'm convinced it was a botch where Ishii went for a sit out power bomb and lost Despy, but was thinking on his feet and immediately went and sold the knee and rolled around. But oh, some fuck that. Say, they should have told. They should have stopped it and had Ishii redo it. So, yeah, some people say that was a planned spot. I'm watching <laughs> the uh, Starks debut here with the sound off. They gave him a video package. Oh, we got a video pack. Oh, fancy, fancy pants there. <laughs> they didn't just bring him out like you know, cold. Like here's, like obviously I can't hear what anybody's saying. But uh, yeah, anyway. Um, but yeah, very good match. I think that. Uh, <laughs> I just saw your text. I'm crying. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no way. I knew it would wait break the show, but I couldn't. I couldn't wait. So. Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> I gotta. You can have, yeah, yeah. You can have, That's uh, we could never say that, but like, oh my god, that's funny. Uh, no one would care or, or get it, but my god, that's hilarious. Um. No, it's a fucking good match. I don't know. Five dollars. You want to hear my experience? <laughs> right. Absolutely. That's fine. Uh, all right. Let's go to night two here real quick. Uh, Gabriel Kidd, Taiji Ishimori. Uh, good little match. Not not anything tremendous. There was a lot better matches on this night, uh, night two. But I thought Gabriel Kidd looked good. He, I think he acclimated himself pretty well. Uh, Taiji Ishimori kind of chilled on this one. I think maybe he's got some you know stuff. He's definitely got stuff left in the holster for the rest of this tournament. But uh, ultimately, I thought a pretty decent match. I mean, Kidd was able to get you know a few spots here and there. Um, but, uh, yeah, ultimately I, 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 I enjoyed it. What'd you, what'd you think of, uh, of Kid and Ishimori? Uh, average match, you know, um, they didn't go out there and try to do too much. They did some, uh, mat wrestling to start. And then, uh, you know, it was your perfunctory opener with the young lion who was essentially, you know, getting squashed. So I didn't think much of it, you know, I think I went like two and a half or something. Uh, and then, oh, we got to talk about this, Joe. Yoshinobu Kanemaru 
versus my big beefy boy Yuya Uemura. Can we talk about Yuya Uemura's body? Uh, you can talk about it. <sighs> go ahead, my man. I know you want to go off, so go off. Oh my god, this dude! And you always okay. <laughs> so we have discovered that I am a body guy. Right. I'm, listen, I'm glad you've come to terms with the fact that you're a body guy. But, but no, hold on a minute. I'm not a body guy. Yes, I'm an are. effort guy, Joe. Explain. Taiji Shimori, good body, whatever. Don't ma- it doesn't matter to me. You know, good, good. You know, I like a guy that will build his body. I like a guy that will. You, you, Amora took this shutdown, took COVID, and said, "You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to eat fucking beef. I'm going to work out, and I'm going to come back looking like a brick shit house." Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I'm an effort guy. Effort. I'm also a, I'm also a body guy. Yeah, that is true. I'm a body guy, but yeah, I do like Taiji Shimori's abs. Those are incredible abs. But yeah, Gabriel Kidd's got a nice little body too. So yeah, um, but you and more. We we said this years ago. I I you know we we talked about it. I think we every time we talk about him, we sound like we're old like baseball scouts. With you, you more. We're always this way with the young lions, which I like about him. We're like, ah, good face, you know, ah, good forehead. He's got like a. And you and more, we always said that he had like a look, like he's just a fucking asshole. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the first time we saw this guy, I think we saw him outside of the ring once, even before he got in the ring, and we said that guy. There's something about that dude's face that that dude is gonna like. He 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 looks old school. He kind of looks like a 19 like 87 New Japan guy. He yeah. looks like a badass. He looks like he might shoot on you if he really wants to. Like, he he had the look. It was all there. And now we're seeing it come together a little bit more where he's adding weight. He's getting a little bit older. In this match, he had a little bit of an edge to him. He had a little bit of an attitude to him. And I am all in on it, man. I, I, am, I am buying Uemura stock as much as I possibly can right now. Yeah, and nah, he's going to be a star. He's going to be great, right? Um, There's no way he's not. He's, he's going to be a star. And, um, I, I you know, it's... Some of these young lions, you just know they're going to be they're they're, they're going to make it. And they're going to be stars. Um, you saw it in Jay White towards the end, and yeah, this guy's going to be a star. I, I completely agree. Um, and this match was awesome, and I, I I love how they set it up the night before with the whiskey bottle to the back of the head. Yeah, at the end of the tag match, just to add a little heat to it. You know, it's just those little details. That's what I've missed about New Japan, the little booking de- details that they're so good at that that puts them on a different level than everybody. Well, AEW is right there too, I think with the booking detail, but um, you know, it's, it's like little things like that. Like, you know, other, other promotions might not even bother with that. Why? For a stupid match the next night with a young lion who's going to lose. They added heat to it. And then you Amora comes out in the singles match and he goes right after Kanemura before the belt, you know, and, and they're playing off what happened the night before. And, and then they had an awesome match, you know, and you Amora had that hot stretch there where he got all those near falls you know, on the small package and he thwarted the whiskey, the whiskey spot, you know, and then the small package and the roll up and then the, uh, you know, and then, and then, and then Kanemaru cuts him off with a, with a, with a beautiful drop kick and he hits him with a, uh, you know, a reverse DDT, but that, you know, you're, they give you a more, a kick out spot and then he hits him with the deep impact and puts him away. So he actually got a lot of booking respect in the match. Layout Absolutely. Well. That's, that's the thing I was going to say. We, we talked about in the opener, you know, in, in night one, you know, Tuggy Makabe and Yotsuji. Yeah. I'll throw this kid a few bones. Let him hit me with a few moves or whatever. Yeah. That's one thing. This was like, res- like actual in-ring booking respect for you. right here where he was given yeah. a spotlight. He was given hope spots. He was given, there was a real chance. You're, you're watching this going, Holy shit. Is this guy going to upset him? I'm so glad he didn't like, he doesn't need to. And then we'll, I'll argue that till the end of the day is that I would rather, 
these guys lose than than win you know random you know random you know upsets you know early into their career. Let's build that up. Let's let him sort of slowly you know work his way up the ladder or whatever. Just like we say with Jungle Boy all the time and in AEW and whatnot. But um, yeah, no, you, you're absolutely right. Like this was there was respect given to you more. You could tell that they think that this guy's the shit too. Yep. Yeah. No, they know it. Yeah. No doubt about it. They know it. You know. So uh, he, he was. Uh, he's got it. He's got that thing, you know, that thing that Conan, you know, he says in Mexico, they call it, you know, have You can't, you can't explain what it is, but you just have it. Yeah. Good face, you know, good walk, that, good uh, presence. Charisma. Yeah. You just can't, you, you, you don't yeah. know exactly what it is, but you know it when you see it. And, and we saw it with this guy when he was sitting outside the ring, you know, getting ready to come in before he'd even wrestled. And the first time we saw him wrestle, we said it and I'm, I'm still saying it. So yeah, keep, keep circle that name. Remember that name. Um, I, he's not really a secret yep. anymore, but yeah, this was, was really, really good stuff by him. Uh, and then we had, uh, I, again, I didn't watch the, the, the tag match, but I'm sure you, you touched on it, uh, on, on Patreon, patreon.com slash voice the wrestling, by the way, for the, uh, new Japan cup audio. Uh, then we'll go to, I think, honestly, I, I, I can't say definitively. It is my favorite empty arena match yet of the last two, three months or whatever, but it's certainly fucking up there. Yuji Nagata, Minoru Suzuki, 20 minutes, 35 seconds. You, you put it, I think you summed it up perfectly on Twitter. There's two ways to do good empty arena matches that we've seen so far. You either go out there and it's all action, it's hot, it's fifteen, it's 10 to 15 minutes, boom, 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 stuff's happening at all times. Or you go out there and you just beat the living shit out of your opponent and he beats the living shit out of you and that's what Yuji Nagata and Minoru Suzuki did. These dudes just said, let's just fucking lay it in for 20 minutes and beat the hell out of each other and God, it ruled. Yeah. Yeah, they, you know... Those are the two different paths you could take, and they took one. And you know that's it's a it, best match of tournament so far. Oh yeah, oh for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think far and away. Like I, I liked, yeah, I've liked some of the other stuff, but I thought it was a, a little bit better than Ishin Desperado. Uh, I liked it better than Hiromu and Hanma, and yeah, I think it's, I yeah, like I said, it's in the upper echelon of all empty arena matches I've seen so far this year. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, uh, number one so far, two nights through. Um, you know, but you know that 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 card on Monday though is going to have some matches. I think that are going to challenge. Yeah, it might not. Brand, it might not last so. long. But uh, goddamn, were, were you? Were you? Did you join me yeah. and just start screaming Blue Justice <laughs> as Eugene kind of pulls off the upset? I love the way they did the finish too. It's so cool that he just catches him. You know what I mean? Like he just he you know Minoru Suzuki lets his guard down for just a second. Eugene kind of hits the the backdrop and pins him. And and the crowd, oh my god! I said the crowd. The announcers go nuts. Minoru Suzuki's just stunned. Yuji Nagata is just oh, what what, what a cool, cool moment! I'm glad they did this. I'm so glad we're getting uh, Okada and Nagata in the next round. I think that's a way better matchup too. And, and Nagata hasn't had a big win like this in quite a while, so uh, I, I appreciate that too. So I think Nagata could win the whole thing. New Japan Cup? No, the match. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm with you. You know, fuck it. Blue Justice, New Japan Cup, litter. Let's do it. Come on. You know what? It wouldn't be the worst idea. It's not to have to have someone else win that they weren't planning on winning because they're gonna draw the three thousand fans or whatever. Either right? Way. You're gonna fill it halfway. Oh. Yeah. I, honestly, and, and I mean this not as complete a, a joke at all. Like I even have it in my notes here of like, given that we know that the Osaka Joe Hall that's gonna sell it in ten seconds. You know what I mean? Like that's gonna be. Do you do an off the wall match that you would never do before that you're not really protecting in any way, shape, or form? I mean, the God of Naito, you're never gonna go back to that for anything else, right? Yeah, I mean they're not gonna do what we're talking about. No, but it'd <laughs> be awesome. <laughs> it's it's whoever was planned on winning, unless they're not there, unless it was Will Ospreay or something, is going to win. 
but I really feel like you can get away with almost any match because people are just going to be dying to go to a show. So, and you only need to draw, sell 3000 tickets. So, you know, I always think with the business cap first and that annoys some people who listen, but that's always going to be the first way that I think it's, you know, and I, and I, and if I'm in the room, I seriously consider someone like Nagata or whoever, where, you know, it's not, you're not burning off anything versus Naito that really matters. So I would definitely consider it, but they're not going to do that. Um, you know, how stupid would it be? I mean, I don't think they're going to do Okada, but how dumb would that be? It would make no sense. Exactly. Right, right, right. And, and, and like people do get upset when we say that. But, like, yeah, you got to think business-wise. you got to think about protecting your big matchups, making those big matchups important. You know, when you have a venue that's already booked, like, you don't necessarily need to give – or uh, already sold or whatever, you don't necessarily have to give people, you know, a top, top to your match or whatever. I think they probably uh, maybe still will. I, I, I don't know. I have no idea what the, the exact plan is. But, um, you know, some off-the-wall pick isn't the worst idea ever. You, you know, I, I wouldn't hate it if, like – you know, Ishii or whatever, if they say, hey, fuck it, you know, but but I think that's one you can maybe protect a little bit later. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see. But, uh, yeah, I, I hope Nagata does beat Okada and really has kind of a hope run here uh, throughout the tournament because that would that would add some intrigue to it, you know, you know a little bit. And, and, again, it's, like, probably the last opportunity for Yuji Nagata to have one of these sort of, um, you know, runs as well because I don't know how many more G1s he's going to be in or how many other, you know, tournaments he's going to be in. So that'd be cool uh, to yeah. see that. And then the final match on night two, Okada versus Gato, uh, 15 minutes. I... I it's one of these. I enjoyed the match, but like I didn't think it was good. You know what I mean? Like I had fun watching it, but I'm kind of just glad it's over, and I'm probably never going to think about it ever again. Type thing. I mean, you know, it was a million times better than the Jado match. Oh was, God, yeah. I mean, Jado looked like May Young. Is that going too far? No, I no, think- dude. I, dude, I compared it to Dory Funk. <laughs> I compared, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like it was like that. No, he was like, you know, he was like ninety-two year old May Young in, in the WWE. No, absolutely, he couldn't do anything. Um. Cody and Ricky Starks just fucking crushed it on Dynamite. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, good for them. Oh, my God. It was so good. I, I can't believe how good this match was. Um, I can't wait to watch it with the sound. Uh, yeah, no, but this the, – the Okada-Gato was um, – I mean, it was gimmick-heavy. Just like, It seems like they're going to do one of those a night. I have a feeling Taguchi-Sonata is going to be the match on the next night with Paradise Locks and Taguchi going – you know, doing asshole spots. Um. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was mildly amusing for the first few minutes. And then Gato with the long heat, you know, with the table and everything else. And it was inoffensive. Jado was offensively bad. This match was just, you know, it, it had good moments. I liked how Okada, when he finally put him away, didn't even need the Rainmaker. He just put him in the Cobra Clutch. Yeah, 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 yeah. And choked him out and had that smirk on his face. That's such a little subtle thing. Like, you said it again. There's these little things that they do. That are just that, that put them above, and that's the reason why we love them, and we talk about them on the show, and why it, it's not just the check, the checks from Kadani; those are nice, obviously, those are great, but like little stuff like that, where Okada doesn't need the Rainmaker to beat Gato, the that the Kanemaru, he could have just hit anybody with the whiskey bottle, but no, he hit the guy that he's gonna face the next night, and this is simple, simple shit. Like, this is day one processing booking. Like, anybody can come up with this shit, but so few people do it. It's so simple and so easy, but sometimes that's the best plan. The best thing to do is just do this simple thing, and this makes all the sense in the world that Okada would say, ah, fuck this guy. I'm not going to hit him with a Rainmaker. I don't need to I don't need to waste my time with my finishing move against this guy. I'll just tap him out with the, the Cobra Clutch. Or, yeah, yeah, Kanemura was saying, you know, I could just swing this bottle at anybody, but you know what? I'm going to hit the guy I'm going to face tomorrow. Maybe I'll get a little bit of an edge on him. Like, that little stuff is so 
important and so few companies do it at all and it it it, it, it pains me that they don't yeah i you know it, it's yeah well you said it all you said it all you know and it's like i talked about this behind the paywall and i don't want to go long on it now but it's like now the next time he uses the cobra clutch in a match people are going to buy into it right and it does that too it's twofold yeah so and i like that makabe and okada didn't have to use their best shit to beat guys that are several levels below them. You know, Makabe didn't need the King Kong. Yeah, he just fucking it took his hat off and pinned him. Said, ah, I'm not going to get on the top rope yeah. for you. <laughs> like, you're not worth it. You know, my, my knees hurts. I'm not going to hit you with the knee. I'm just going to hit you with the lariat. Boom. And then, well, he did the German. He beat him with a German. But oh, that's like, right. Yeah, did, yeah, yeah. Right. He didn't do this. He didn't need the spider German. And uh, he didn't go through his whole thing. He didn't do the King Kong knee drop. No, he beat him up and pinned, pinned him with something else. And Okada, <laughs> the same thing. And I think that's something that AEW does really well, establishing multiple finishers for all of their guys. And I think that's something that New Japan kind of got away from for a while, you know. And and it's good to see that in the first two nights back, we've got two guys who, you know, are pushed to some degree. Makabe still treated with respect in the booking. And Okada's obviously a top guy winning matches with something other than their finishers. So it's like, New Japan had it was starting to get to where it's like you're waiting around, and I I hate that I don't like that, you know. So uh, I I thought the finish, and and the start of the Gato Okada match, you know, uh, it, it, look it, it was very gimmicky, but the I like the finish and I like how it started off, so it was fine. I think I went like two and three quarters or something. Uh, and that's it for. Uh, but the, the real the oh, real sorry. I mean in reality this this. The semi was so good that that's really your, like, main event, so to speak, in terms of, you know, the best match on the show and all that. So it's like you didn't, you didn't even get robbed by the main event being what it was because you had that Nagata match that was so incredible. Exactly, yeah. You, you, you knew going in that, hey, this thing's probably – it doesn't have to be great. It just has to be whatever. It just has to be fine, and it's going to be an okay show no matter what. So, yeah, it, it was good stuff there. So but what, about, but what about the idea of Okada – just beating Gato in like a minute because there's no fans and it doesn't matter. I mean, that would have worked too. That's a situation where you can just do a super quick yeah. uh, main event because you're not offending any paying customers in that scenario. So, And and really, when you when you break down the match, like a lot of the back, I, I, I will say it probably did go a little bit longer than it needed to in, in, in some ways. But, you know, the first five minutes is Gato just fucking around and, you know, laying on the mat and playing around with his arm and trying to poke well, him. Well, the, the stuff with the like, yeah, Right, right, right. So they, 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 they padded the match with that. But I'm with you that, like, once that stuff stopped, you probably could have went home in, like, two minutes after that. But they, they kind of hung around a little bit longer than they probably needed to. So Yeah, he, he Okada knew he had the knucks because the idea is that he knows them so well. But then he had the lead pipe or whatever, right? So that was kind of cool. But then, yeah, the heat spot was probably a little too long. And because there's no fans, you could have sped that up. And no one watching, like, on New Japan World is going to be upset because you got the Nagata-Suzuki match, which fucking ruled. So I wish, like, you'd think a little more outside the box with these no-fan shows. And you could have really done, you know, like a two-minute main event there. Uh, So that is it for the first two uh, New Japan Cup shows. Uh, They come back on Monday with that show that we keep talking about, the one to circle here. Tanahashi versus Taichi, Abushi versus Zack Sabre Jr., Taguchi Sonata, and Sho versus Shingo. I mean, that fucking, that's a show. <laughs> that is the one for sure to watch. Uh, Tuesday, June 23rd, eh, not so much. Tenzan Yoshihashi, Yobushi, 
Kojima Evil, Goto, Yujiro. So that uh, might be one to <laughs> skip if you want. Uh, then we get into the second round already by Wednesday. So uh, pretty cool stuff going on. And, and, and we're, we're, you know, we're getting there. New Japan Cup is we're coming through. We're, we're going to enter our second week here in a bit. Second round in, in next week. We're, we're, we're cruising along. And, you know, Osaka yeah. Joe Hall is not that far away. So I'm excited. Yeah. All right. So let's... Uh, you know, we only have about an hour left on the show here, so we'll quickly uh, touch on some of these other topics. Uh, anything else on the Evolve before we uh, talk about this processing Noah thing I wanted to touch on? Uh, anything new that we've learned about Evolve or anything new? Because last week, I, I'm trying to remember what we knew as of last week, what we revealed uh, last week. I think you had you had posted the had, – had you posted the Patreon uh, post no, no, yet? Okay. okay. So, so we do need to catch people up then, so. Last week we knew nothing. We just knew the speculation that we were getting from people inside. Got it. Okay. Just the observers, all we knew, where it said that you know it doesn't look good for Evolve or whatever. So, and stuff we heard from people, but um, there's been some clarifications. I mean, we got the first on-record comments from Gabe Sapolsky behind the paywall on the five-dollar tier. I put that up a few nights ago, and uh, basically, um, I'll paraphrase. Uh, you know, basically what he said was they're not running shows for now. And I think for now was the key verbiage there. And then he also went on to tell us that um, anyone who wants a release from their contract is being granted one. I mean, obviously that's the right thing to do because if you're not running shows, you can't hold people hostage. It's not right. So you let them go and you let them go out to the free agent market and see if they can do something. looks like JD Drake is one of the guys that may have taken them up on that just based on some of his tweets. And then there's other people under contract like uh, Leon Ruff, who's been working a lot of WWE um, in enhancement roles. And um, uh, uh, Josh Briggs, I believe, is under contract. Uh, Kurt Stallion is another one. So there's a number of guys they have under contract. But if they want out, they're going to let him out. So um, that's straight from Gabe. And our subscribers knew that, uh, you know, several days ago. And it's old news to them. But then David Bixenspan put out a good piece on Forbes which had uh, even more additional details. And he had pointed this out to us on Twitter as well, that basically the, the, the bankruptcy rumors are easily debunked because that's all public information. Right, you'd and see, it, you'd be able to find it. Yeah, and there's no bankruptcy filing. And Bix also had the details from the private Facebook group, uh, the private Facebook Evolve group. Uh, there was a uh, private post put up there by Gabe basically telling the talent, what he told us that they're not running shows. And then there was, cause we saw that letter too. We, you know, we were, uh, someone sent that us to us anonymously, that Facebook post that was sent to talent. Um, and you know, it had other minor details in there, like how to stay in touch. And just, you know, basically that they're shutting down their, their private Facebook group because there's no need cause they're not going to be running shows. But again, there was kind of ambiguous verbiage there because he said something to the effect in the letter of, you know, this is not the end of the road. It's a fork in the road and blah, blah, blah. They're leaving open. They're clearly leaving open the possibility that if whatever they have cooking, and there's clearly something cooking, if whatever they have cooking doesn't work out, they're leaving open the possibility of returning because otherwise you would just release everyone from their contracts. You wouldn't offer to release them if they're asking for it. You'd simply release them, right? And you wouldn't be using this ambiguous verbiage. It, it seems like there's some kind of plan in place or some kind of offer. We don't, no one knows what it is. Everyone's being tight-lipped. But they're sort of protecting themselves against it if it doesn't happen and leaving open the possibility of coming back down the road at some point. Probably not for a very long time, though. Uh, Bix also 
did a lot of good work in revealing that a lot of the WWN things have been split into separate LLCs. And the timing of all of those splits into separate LLCs coincide with all of their uh, advancements in their relationship with WWE. In other words, when it became known that they were working as a feeder, they split the company into multiple LLCs. When they started using WWE talent, they once again, like the training school is a different LLC. Than- yeah, World Rest- a World Wrestling Training Academy LLC uh, was established earlier this month. So that's their training academy with the same address as the uh, WWN Training Center in uh, Newport Ritchie, Florida as well. So yeah, it's 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 weird in, in that sense. Well, not maybe not it's maybe not weird. It it actually might make sense here shortly, but it's weird now without knowing exactly well, all the details. Well, think so. about it. Why would you do that? So they have like three or four different LLCs splitting up the different uh, parts of the company. It's because this way you can, you know, sell off part of it but retain the training right. school or retain So it it seems to be setting the stage for something or at least preparing or protecting or Something's happening. Plus that money they owe to the state of New Jersey. Like it, it's, there's a lot involved here. I would recommend reading the piece. It's on Forbes.com. David Bixon's band. Search it. Evolve. You'll find it very easily. It goes into uh, very yeah, good. The, the headline, real quick for people, is WWE feeder promotion Evolve is closing its Facebook group. Another sign it may fold is the name of the the article. So, but again, David Bixon's right. band Forbes Evolve. You'll be able to find it pretty quickly, I think. So, so we know a lot more now. We know that they're not going to run shows for the foreseeable future to the point where they're letting their talent go if they so choose, and um, we know that there's something going on behind the scenes because they're splitting into all these different LLCs, but. You know, uh, like we talked about last week, though, in terms of you can't get, you know, uh, the quotes we got out of Gabe is all we're going to get. I mean, he's not going to give us any more. And, and, and uh, you know, other sources have talked to the WWE side, and they're not confirming or denying anything in the direction of the rumors that they're buying uh, the company. We had it speculated to us that Evolve has a similar deal that Progress and WXW have and that WWE has the right to come in and just buy the company at any time. And that is possibly, uh, you know, being exercised and we're just waiting for the paperwork and the legalities to clear. And they, maybe that's why no one's talking, but that's all speculation at this point. So, uh, this could be the end of evolve. It's definitely the end of evolve for the foreseeable future. And the door has been left cracked open for an eventual return at some point way down the line. But I get the sense, and this is just my opinion, that I, in an ideal world, they're going to sell this off to someone. I think that's the end game here. Um, but if they can or if the deal doesn't go through or whatever the case, they're not completely shutting the door and making an, an announcement that they're folding. Right, yeah. I, I think the three company, and I'm glad that Bix did the research and did the work on that because that, that adds a lot of insight there too because essentially for people who don't know, there's three companies. There's WWN Inc., which is essentially what World Wrestling Network Inc. was, but now it's a new company. There's a, a, another company called Evolve Wrestling Inc., which is its own company, and then the World Wrestling Training Academy LLC that we talked about as well. So it, it is very possible that you could sell two of those three, one of those three. You know what I mean? Like Evolve Wrestling could can can be sold, but that technically wasn't formed until October 2018 or whatever. That that is sort of the relationship uh, with WWE and Evolve is like that company is, is is formed among that relationship, and then the old WWN Inc. is 
somewhat tied to the original World Wrestling Network, Inc., or whatever. So you, you just wonder what asset is with what. But I, I do find it funny that the World Wrestling Training Academy uh, is its own thing right now. I think that's an important uh, note there because I feel like that might be protected more than anything because they can still train guys and keep that alive and and you know maybe sell off those other two entities or just the Evolve entity or just the WWN entity or whatever. But yeah, the, the three split companies leads me to believe that something is getting retained and the other parts are at least getting sold off or, or, or you know, liquidated or, or, or something going on with that yeah 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 for sure because you know the sell uh you know the selling off of the merchandise and everything so um it, it, this is some sort of goodbye it's it's goodbye for now or goodbye for good but it's one or the other so that is uh, evolve uh that's what we know right now as of uh this this week and this show but uh let's let's do our final topic of the day here joe i just want to it's kind of be a loose topic here me more sort of asking you a question and then and kind of picking your brain here a little bit but uh 20 years ago yesterday uh pro wrestling no was officially founded it was june 16th 2000 uh i was not following the japanese wrestling scene at this time i was kind of somewhat aware of what was going on but i was pretty much only american wrestling at this point only wcw only wwf uh, only ecw so i really have no context for this uh but i was kind of curious where were you at where, what was your follow of 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 the japanese wrestling scene at this time you know 20 years ago yesterday uh when pro wrestling no was officially forming and you know half the, you know most of the roster is leaving all japan you know other than you know kawada and, and a few other guys they're leaving to form their own company were you following at the time and 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 if so like what was what was kind of the, the, the conversation around this this new thing for us in Noah? Well, there was obviously no Twitter, and Internet was not what it is today. I mean, there were message boards and things like that. Um, but you didn't really have the instantaneous reaction the way you do now to every major news story. I mean, I don't think I found out until I got the Observer, you know, that week, for example, where it's like those are the days where you really learned – the news of the week when the observer hit your mailbox. And that's like hard to fathom now, right? Because you learn the news as it happens in real time all week long. And then if like the observer just recaps or fills in blanks or gives you more details back then you didn't know shit until the observer came and like a story like this, you're like, Oh shit. You know, like what the, what the fuck? You know, it's like, you know, the, the observer was breaking the news for you, you know, and you'd be annoyed. Like, I remember I'd be annoyed. Like it would usually come on a Thursday and some weeks where it like didn't show up on Thursday. If it didn't come by Friday, I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to get, it. I hated those weeks where I didn't get it until Monday. That was like the longest wait ever, you know? And it's like, it, that was the, your news source, you know? So anyway, you know, this was one of those stories in the days where you don't learn anything until you read it in the observer. And, and so in terms of your question, what was the conversation? Like, it's hard to say because the conversation was just you and the select group of friends you might've had who cared or followed it, you know? And at the time, I think, you know, the thought process, at least from me, and I think from, from most was that, well, Masawa got everybody. So this new thing is going to be the good thing. And, all Japan is fucked because they don't have anyone except Kawada, you know? So it's like, that was my thought process. And with the two or three people I knew at the time who, who watched tapes and stuff, that was their thought process was this new thing is obviously going to be the thing that we need to pay attention to now. And all Japan is going to die. You know, that didn't happen. You know, they, they readjusted and brought in that whole new crew and, 
it's been rough going ever since, but um, that was kind of my feeling at the time. Yeah, so so it's it's a super interesting story for people that don't know a little bit about it. Uh, again, there's there's plenty of places you can read about it and and, and do some like digging. I know the uh, June nineteenth, two thousand Wrestling Observer uh, does a lot. I was going through and, and, and kind of reading that again because you know knowing the anniversary was coming up. But yeah, it's 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 just interesting in the, in the sense that for people that don't know, I mean, real quickly, I'll just kind of uh, you know give you the, the 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 cliff notes for those that don't know. So obviously, you know, Masawa Kobashi, you know Akiyama, your your big time no you know all Japan pro wrestling guys. Uh, Giant Baba dies. His wife is is officially in charge. Then after that, uh, nobody. <laughs> it appears that nobody really likes her all that much because when we say that everybody left, Joe, the office people left too. Like literally, other than Kawada, was it Fushi? I think or Fushi stayed around, and I think like two other people stayed around. Everybody, literally, the entire other company got up and left and said, "Fuck this, we're out," and followed Masawa over to Noah, the fucking the TV station that they were on basically that still owned part of all Japan said, no, we're not going to show your shit anymore. We're done. We're going to show, you know, this new company once we're finally allowed to. And that's just nuts. I mean, that, that, that sort of, you know, that happening to that level. I, I, I just, I really do wonder what, if, what people expected at the time. Like, like you said, you thought you saw the names and went, okay, well this new company is, is going to be good. But like, whenever does like a new company just pop up and you immediately say, oh, that's going to fucking work. And that's going to be great. Like, Especially in Japan, like that never happens. But nothing ever happens like this, where ninety nine point nine percent of the the, the the talent roster and everybody in the office bails and joins this new company. It, it's it's risky though, still because it's still a new company, and and everyone's leaving this established company that's been around for years and years and years and years. Um, I just, I don't know. I just find it fascinating that, that, that everything that goes down here, and and just the ripple effects of, of this happening. Like you said, all Japan has really never recovered we're at june 16th 2000 i don't think they've ever recovered and, and and noah for a time became like the top japanese company you know uh, no doubt like they they were they were doing better than new japan they were doing of course better than all japan they and they became the top dog in the industry in, in in terms of japan wrestling and and that's just fascinating for a brand new company and, and they were able to get there pretty quickly within you know a year or two they were already you know knocking on the door and then by you know 2003 to 2006 they're there and they're probably the top company in japan but you know, what, when did you first start kind of actively watching Noah? What, was it just through Ring of Honor tapes or, or, or when, you know, or Ring of Honor, you know, merch table visits or, or was it a little bit before that as well? No, they, they were they were a hot tape immediately. I mean, it, that didn't take long at all. I mean, they came out with that hot Akiyama angle right out of the gate. And, no, that no, 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 that Noah was a like a must watch promotion right out of the gate. I mean, now the the, the DVDs at the ROH merch tables when they started putting out english language dvds that wasn't until like 2007 ish right right so you're talking seven years in and you know guys like masawa were already on the the, the downside you know and, and and physically breaking down by that point and that was a kind of the next era of noah that wasn't like those first few years it was a kind of a different era but yeah that that you know the english language dvds were great because yeah there was a slight delay but it's like you didn't have to look for sketchy uploads and plus downloading things during those years with slow internet was a pain in the balls. And, you know, when YouTube came around, you'd get the occasional match on YouTube, but you couldn't count on full shows. So those English language DVDs were huge because not only was it the full shows, it was in English, which was a novelty at the time. So you could have, you know, Wally Yamaguchi and, and the other guy, you know, um, explaining like the commentary was horrendous i mean don't get me wrong it's really bad yeah it was my first exposure to Noah, and it was not good but it's really bad but 
you know, it, it was a novelty and it was different and it was like, whoa, Japanese wrestling with English commentary. This is fucking crazy. You know, and it was just the ability to get a hold of the DVDs, you know, and have the full shows. It was so much easier to buy them for 20 bucks than search around and deal with, you know, whether or not the Budokan, they were always, they were all the Budokan shows. So, you know, they wouldn't always get uploaded or your internet was too slow. So it was, that was a major boon. But then a few years after that, obviously everything changed with, you know, uh, you know, everything that we have today where everything is like instant access. So, uh, but yeah, at the time, the DVDs, I still have a stack of those fucking things. I mean, those things were great. Um, the only thing was the Samoa Joe Masawa match. They had to cut that because of the deal with TNA. So, cause Samoa Joe could not appear on any commercially released DVDs or whatever when he was, and he was with TNA. So like the Masawa Samoa Joe match, is just like a series of still shots on that DVD, which is kind of annoying. But um, otherwise, it was full shows, the Budokan All shows. Some of them were doubles, double DVDs. Like you'd get two Budokan shows on one DVD. It was it was phenomenal, you know. And it was still a pretty good era of the company. And uh, so, so you're you're All Japan watching. What sort of happened then after you know when Noah gets formed? Are you sticking around with All Japan at all, or, or watching anything from All Japan, or did you bail like a lot of people did when you know that, especially that the roster that they had? I mean, again, when you lose everybody but two guys. They were able to kind of bring in some reserves here and there and bring in some other guys slowly but surely. By 2002, you know, you get Keiji Muto or whatever. But that 2000 to 2001 era is rough, man. If you look at some of those cards, it's like, holy shit. It's like they're digging up, like, fucking, you know, Stan Hansen and having him come out again. Steve Williams is a big deal. I think Sabu has a run there for a little while. Like, freaking Johnny Smith was there for it. It got real dark, real, real dark there. Were, were you watching any All Japan at that time, or did you kind of just bail uh, at, at that point? Well, everyone was really energized by Noah because Noah came out of the gate, you know, really strong. And they had all the stars with the exception right. of Kawada. So it's like all Japan. It's like I, I can only speak for me and my my friends because, again, this was a different. Right. right. I can't tell you what the, what the people were saying because you don't know what the fucking consensus was between everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember like letters to the observer or and I wasn't really super. I was on all the boards, but wasn't really super in, 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 in like embedded into the boards at that time. You know what I mean? So it's like the feeling around me and my friends was all Japan is going to die because we were like, how can they make it? You know? And we were never like on the hunt for those all Japan shows. Cause they looked like shit. You know, if it had, if all of this had gone down now, of course you're going to watch them cause they're easily accessible. They, you know, they might be on a fucking streaming service that you're paying for already or, you know, full shows just being uploaded, you know, 12 hours after they happen. So, yeah, you, you watch them. But back then when it was harder to get a hold of things and that was the tail end of the tape trading era, too. So it's like tapes were like stock. You didn't want to waste your trading on stuff that you didn't really care about. You didn't want to buy tapes from RF video or wherever the fuck and waste your money on shit that you didn't know you were going to like. So it's like, you would look at these lineups. It's not like now where you just consume everything because why not? You had to be selective back then, you know? So it's like, we didn't really pay attention to all Japan once that happened, because you really had to be choosier and pick and choose. And you weren't going to devote your attention to a company that lost everyone. And my feeling at least was that they weren't even going to exist in a year because it was, they lost everyone, even the, the young boys and, you know, Kenta, Kenta Kobayashi at the time, you know, who was just coming up. And 
And, they, you know, they lost everyone except Kawada and a couple of old dudes. You know, who else? It was Kawada, Fuchi, and... Yeah, it was uh, Kawada, Fuchi. I think I'm almost positive that's it. I think that was... Austin, right? Yeah, well, man. Kia. Yes, yeah, but as far as, like, contra- uh, contracted guys, 24 out of 26 gone. The only ones left. Yeah, or Kawada and Fuchi were the only contracted guys yeah. Uh, yeah. left. But you're right, yeah, they brought in some reserves. They brought in some freelance guys. Uh, immediately started working with New Japan at that time. But again, it's not like New Japan was like bursting with, you know, great talent at that time either. Like they were kind of running into their own uh, issues as well. And and yeah, it, it I would have loved like maybe not this current era of wrestling because this, you know, this current era of wrestling discourse is so terrible, but maybe one from like a, a, even a few years ago or ah, maybe this one, ah, I don't know, whatever. But like just to see what would have happened if a company like this, because I know that like there's all this, you know, we, we've seen AEW, we've seen a new company in the last year sort of rise and, and, and come out of nowhere and build itself uh, from there. But like something like this is just unheard of. Something like this is just, it never, it, you just get, I mean, fracturing has happened in Japan with companies forever and ever. A guy gets pissed, he leaves. This guy gets pissed, he leaves. Tenru decides, you know, ah, this guy with this, you know, sunglasses, or this glasses company money, he's got, a, you know, he's got a lot of money, I'm gonna go make a company with him or whatever. Like, you get little stuff like that. You get, like, one or two guys leave, a few guys leave, there's a little bit of an exodus. I mean, 24 out of 26 guys, all the staff and the TV network go and move to this other company. Like, I, 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 would, I would just be frothing at the mouth to watch these Noah shows because it sounds fucking incredible. It sounds so yeah, cool, it and it's just... a blank slate. It's a whole new company. And what I think was really cool, too, about the early Noahs is they established right off the bat, hey, Jun Akiyama, he wasn't that big of a deal in all Japan. He was kind of on the cusp. He was an upper mid-card guy. Boom, he's one of our top guys, right off the bat. They established yeah, him as a top dude. Move. Yeah, that was such an important move. Yeah, and, that, and they just established this as a, a new company with new directions. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was what everyone was excited about because they had everyone. You know, and it's 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 as simple as that. You know, so um, you know we've seen. You know, I guess the there was the mini there. You know, burning burning jumped from Noah to All Japan a few years ago, maybe 2013 or 14, and that was like five or six guys when Akiyama took his boys and went back to All Japan. I think that would be is that the next biggest exodus since in the last 20 years? That's probably <sighs> yeah, probably yeah. I mean, Wrestle One forming. And I guess a bunch of guys from all Japan jumped with Muto to wrestle one. That's kind of similar because he, he brought, you know, he got Kai and Sonata and, um, you know, all of those guys and, and a lot of the young trainees, Anaba, you know, to come with him to form wrestle one. Um, so that's kind of similar, but obviously wrestle one didn't catch on, you know, so, yeah, I mean, you know, you see these kind of exoduses every few years, but never like this. You know, this was just, and like you're saying, the staff and the TV network. It was just <laughs> the TV network owned part of all Japan and still said fuck off. Yeah, and <laughs> said no, you're not getting your TV anymore. No, you can't sign with anybody else. And the second we contractually can, we're gonna have Noah come on our TV. It's nuts. Yeah. It's fucking nuts. But when I mean, when when fucking Masawa and Kobashi are like, hey, we're here. I mean, you're gonna follow those guys for sure. Yeah, and uh, you know, and, and just talking last twenty years, I mean, you briefly mentioned AEW. That's similar in the sense that it was the, you know, the the all elite, the 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 elite guys splintering from the Bullet Club, but that's like half of a faction splintering from the rest of the faction, and then forming their own promotion. You know, it's like it's similar but not the same. You know, it's not half of the New Japan roster you know, splitting to form something. It's half of a unit from New Japan right. 
splitting to form something. Um, but that, you know, that's the closest thing I think we've seen in American wrestling to that, to that sort of thing happening where a group of guys leave their previous promotion, you know, but that was a Japanese pro. I, I guess technically a lot of them left ring of honor too, um, to, to do that. But, um, yeah, nothing like that. And that was the feeling at the time that Noah was the promotion to watch at that point. And all Japan just wasn't on anybody's radar. I mean, just look at those lineups. I mean, you know, with nostalgia glasses, they look interesting from a, these are wacky perspective, but in real time, it's like the quality of the promotion. Just, it just nosedived into the fucking ground, you know? So those weren't sought after tapes. They weren't, it wasn't a promotion that had any kind of buzz, at least with the fans that I was around. And, you know, and, and, and me personally, you know that I became a huge Noah guy. Yeah, like, right, right, right. That became my favorite promotion maybe ever, you know? Um, you know, the green ring and the affinity I have for that in those years, I mean, you know, ECW is like a different thing. That's just, you know, but Noah is just, you know, probably, you know, modern New Japan – I think is catching up and has probably surpassed realistically, you know, peak all Japan and even peak Noah. But I don't know if I have the same like emotional connection to modern new Japan that I had for Noah. I don't know if I can say that, Um, you know, so I can't say it was, I don't know. I don't want to start comparing these promotions because that's not what we're doing here. But, um, but yeah, that, that, if, if you're trying to get what the sense was now, I'm sure you'd get similar. If you went back and looked at the old observers, was he still doing letters in 2000? I don't know the, answer. Uh, he was. Yeah. I, I think he still was. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually going through a few of these issues right now to see if there are any like, you know, hot takes about processing Noah uh, from the reader pages. But yeah, he was doing them to an extent, not, not as much as he was like, that used to be a, a vital part of the old observer at that point. But yeah, yeah. They're, they're still there for somewhat. Listen, those Observer letters in the 90s were your pulse to the rest of the insider wrestling fans. I mean, that was your internet. Like, in 1994, if you wanted to know what other people thought, you had to read the Observer letter section. I mean, or, you know, the Torch feedback and and, and things like that. You know, otherwise, you didn't know what anyone was thinking except for your circle of friends. And realistically, how many of your friends were, you know, trading tapes and following FMW? Probably only one or two if you were lucky. You know, you probably had a lot of friends who were watching Superstars of Wrestling every Saturday morning, and that was cool. But very few became obsessed with wrestling to the point where you're trading tapes and reading newsletters. Right. So, so you're only getting the perspective of the other guys in your neighborhood, especially if you're a teenager. You know, so it's like that's why it's kind of tricky for me to answer the this the, the Noah question. But you know, it's it's um, I I don't recall anyone like clamoring for those all Japan tapes once everybody left. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, <laughs> it's a pretty, it's an amazing, amazing transition to see. I mean, the, the final, the final show with all of those guys is July 20th, 2000, uh, is the final show with, 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 with Misawa and Kobashi's on it and whatnot. And it's a loaded show. Like they put as many guys as they humanly, uh, they, they possibly could, you know, as you said, Kenta's on there. I mean, I, Everybody you can think of is on that show. And then you go to July 21st, the next show after this. And it is, I mean, when you talk about these two shows, 
So I'll, did, they I'll, get, did they they'll, didn't Tenru come back, come back? He came in like yeah, he came a few years later. It helped a little bit, but that immediate like the in the immediate of like oh fuck, we lost everybody. Yeah. Is so here are the top four matches on the the the, the seven twenty show. Uh, it's Amori and Takayama versus Akiyama and uh, Izumita. Uh, Misawa Ogawa versus Tawei and Inoue. Giant Kamala and Steve Williams versus Mike Barton and Wolf, Wolf Hawkfield. And uh, Fuchi and Kawada versus Johnny Smith and Fujiwara. So that is your final uh, with everybody. Yeah. And then you have... <laughs> I could just do the whole card here because there's not a lot of matches. The f- it, that is the first All Japan show post-Exodus. This is the first one post-Exodus. Yeah, it's Fuchi versus uh, Okamura. Scorpio versus Shinobi, Giant Kamala versus uh, <laughs> Yuta Ijamina. I don't even know who the fuck that is. Uh, Mike Barton and Wolf, Ho- uh, Wolf Hawkfield versus George Hines and Mossman. Yeah, George Hines is uh, is uh, <laughs> is one of the Fultons. Yes, and 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 Mossman, he wasn't a contracted guy, but he was a regular. So I I've always counted him. Yeah, because he wasn't contracted, but he was a regular, and he was a hot prospect at the time. Right. And you could see that a lot of the foreigners stayed loyal. You know, Giant Kamala too, and, and and people like that. So go ahead. Yeah, Scorpio. And then your main event. That's that's it. We're already into the main event here. Uh, Jinsei Shinsaki, uh, Kawada versus Johnny Smith and Steve Williams. So yeah, Steve Williams, another foreigner who stayed loyal. Uh, Jinsei Shinsaki, a, a freelancer. Look, I you know all all told, they did the best they could. They did a pretty goddamn good job when you lose <laughs> twenty four out of your twenty six guys. So yeah, and it, you know it hurt that. Mossman slash Kia never really developed into a mega star. He was always a good worker. Yeah, you know that, that's the future Tayo Kia. In case people don't know who who Mossman was at this time. So. Yeah, yeah, Mossman. Yeah, and and you know, people a lot of people don't realize he's Hawaiian. Like a lot of people think he's Japanese, but you know, technically he was a foreigner too. So, um, yeah, you know, it's you could see like those shows. Like no one was clamoring for you know George Hines. You know, so. <laughs> Yeah, Noah just started hot and stayed hot, you know, and then, uh, you know, a couple years later, by 2003 or 2002, 2003, Kenta and Marafuji were taken off as a tag team, and then away you go. I mean, it's just... Oh, it was an embarrassment of riches there for a while. Like, the dates I gave, like, you know, 2003 slash 2004 to, like, 2006, 2007, it's just, like, the riding high, man. And, you know, 2008 starts to kind of fall a little bit. Uh, 2009, of course, everything starts kind of plummeting. Masawa dies. The TV deal gets worse. I think they actually lose their TV deal that year, too. And and pretty much, you know, we talked about, you know, all Japan from, you know, June 2000 till today is still kind of never uh, the same. And and I would say Noah, of course, I mean, it's not a hot take at all that, you know, from 2009 until today, never, ever cl- even close to where they were. Uh, two, at their peak. Two, 2009 to me is the end. That's it. Um, it was never the same after 2009. They had their moments, of course, but it was never the same promotion to me. Pretty much once Masawa died, I mean, for a couple months there, but 2009 is where you draw the line, you know? I mean, it was already coming. I mean, like... Oh, those guys were all breaking down, too. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the, the cracks were already there. I mean, they had lost their TV deal. Uh, the Kenta Marufuji stuff had not really worked to the level they were. Right. Kobashi was fucking his knees and shoulders were shot. Masawa, I mean... Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, he had cancer that year, too. I forgot. Jesus Christ, yeah. So, you know, and it's like uh, Shiozaki, they kept trying, but he was just so snake-bitten. All the attention taken away. Uh, there would always be a death or something else that would happen right when they were pulling the trigger on Go. So that, that never... You know, Go and Kenta and Marafuji, you know, that those were the guys that needed to work. And, Ma- and, and Morishima, you know. 
and for various reasons, none of them did. And that's a story that those stories have been told a million times. We don't need to rehash all of that. But yeah, 09 to me is where you draw the line. Everything after 09 is very different and not the same and kind of sad yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, you know, you'd watch Noah some of those years and it's like, man, why am I watching this? I'm just watching this because it's the green ring and yeah, I'm attacking you're, you're getting it. hyped. It's got the logo. It's got the green ring, but it's it's effectively not the same company that it was. And there were moments and stuff, but um, yeah, you know, but uh, nine was the last hurrah for sure. Uh, so that was that. I just wanted to touch on that briefly because we're, we're just past their, their 20 years. And, and, yeah, there's so much great Noah to watch and, and, and pretty easy to find a lot of it um, as well. So, yeah, definitely if, you, if you've never yeah, watched. That, that, that Destiny show is one I watch once a year. I mean, it's, it's you know, um, that's a great show. And, and, you know, those are the memories I want to have of Green Ring Noah, not, you know, uh, chugging down the home stretch with, you know, uh, some of those awful shows and, 2013, 2014, 2012, anything after 2009, really, where it's just a shell of its former self. You're talking about the, uh, the Destiny uh, 2005? Yeah, the one with the Kenta Kanemaru and, and the, with the match I had, one of my favorite matches of all time. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that entire show is available on YouTube, too. If you just type in Destiny yeah. 2005, click play, four and a half hours, boom, you're good to go. I mean, and, and there's great stuff on that show, too. I mean, there are, I think there's five matches that are over 20 minutes and, like, each one of them rules. You know what I mean? It's just fucking. It's Kobashi versus Sasaki. It's Masao versus Kawada. It's Tenru and Ogawa, just all time dickheads facing off against each other. Uh, it's Rikio and, and Hiroshi Tanahashi, but hey, no one's perfect. Uh, Minoru Suzuki and Marufuji, Akiyama, Hashi, fucking Kenta Kanemoro. Like, God, it's a great show. Fuck, I should watch that the tonight. The Star Power. I should watch that tonight now that I think about it. Yeah, the Star Power is just, you know, uh, off the charts and. Um, you've got guys at weird stages of their career and, and it's just an interesting show, you know, as much as anything else. So, um, but you know, that, that to me is peak Noah right there. That's, 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 that's the first show I think of, even if it may not necessarily be the best. I like a lot of those Budokan shows were, you know, but they were top heavy because the Budokan shows, you'd get the stuff underneath with the old guys and Maceo in and people like that. And, um, you know uh, the old uh, old Sano Sano after he was washed up and and in a way and, and and Saito in between pushes and other old dudes I'm forgetting about that are long since gone. So the Budokan shows often were very top heavy, mm-hmm. but you know that that Dome show is is just yeah that's to me that's Noah. All right, so that is uh, and oh, one person brought up in our chat room, J Pop ninety two brought up that uh, ninety two or oh nine was also the the Yakuza scandal as well. You know, oh, yeah, too, yeah, which yeah. like, fuck, <laughs> that, that what a bad year. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what yeah. a terrible year. So the Yakuza stuff, you lose your TV deal, your president dies, your top star has cancer. Yeah, it doesn't get much worse than that. <laughs> 2009. Just die. I mean, like, it dies in the ring. Right. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than that. You know, it's just so symbolic all around, you know, yeah. and it, it's, uh, you know, it is. Fuck. And another time, and another time, people would get mad at me for saying that his death was symbolic, but it's like, um, it really was. I mean, that's you can pinpoint that right there as that's it. They right. Just, the they, heart they, and soul of the promotion it. died on that day, too, yeah. in that ring. It just never, ever, ever felt like it was the same after that. And, and Right. Correct. And you can watch the shows and you see it. You can sense that it's just yeah. they're always kind of reaching for something that they're probably never going to get to ever again. And, and that's what, you know, what happened when, you know, last year they switched all the branding. They went to the red. They got rid of the green ring. And. And, and you know, I kind of talked about it, but it effectively is not the same company anymore. But really, I think we said at the time, too, it hadn't been the same company for years. So it's like, whatever at this point, you know, I 
the the symbolism of the green ring has, has been dead for quite a while so yeah i mean yeah still a little sad to me but yeah it hasn't been the same yeah i mean it's just not even they're effectively just a you know, an indie. They're an mm. indie now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's realistically they're an indie. I know it's like some people don't want to hear it, but that's what they are. You know, and they're not even a particularly big indie. They're just, you know, they exist and they they have good matches. Uh, you know, from time to time, and they have a nice roster now. And and you know, Nosawa's done a good job. And you know, it, but you know, it's not. It's an indie. That's what it is. And that's a, that that goes for a lot of the promotions in Japan. I mean, all Japan's an indie. That's what they are. I mean. You know these 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 companies can't draw more than two thousand fans. I mean, there is. You know, I like watching them, but you got to be realistic about it. Right. Yeah, we're I mean, we're talking about when when Noah starts. I mean, they come out of the gates with like big time shows, big time draws. They're running Tokyo Domes in a few years. They're running Budokans in a few. I mean, it's like, you know, yeah, we're we're talking. This is big time business, and not whatever the fuck's going on today in Japan, where it's these people fighting over these, you know, four hundred seat buildings and stuff like that. It's just it's wild, but um, yeah, they're I, fighting for scraps, you know. Yeah, just all, they're all battling for scraps at this point. Yeah. It's sad. I don't know why we're ending the show on this. Yeah, kind what of a terrible note. Hey, Joe, what's uh, <laughs> something positive? Ricky Starks, what a debut for Ricky Starks. So. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm, I, I, the reviews I'm looking at are uh, are, are pretty good. So uh, that's Twitter, a, Twitter's blowing up. That's I mean, a little backpack for you. You can take a victory lap here because we've, hey, from, hey, as hey. long as the show's existed, you've been talking about Ricky Starks. So I got to sign this guy coming off this. I mean, he came off like a million bucks. I mean, um, you'll see when you watch it. I'm excited. Yeah, one second we're done with the show, I'm gonna uh, put it on. But uh, I think that's it for us, Joe. Anything else uh, you wanted to touch on before we sign off for the week? now i think we're done that's it so anyway uh voiceswrestling.com slash patreon of course the new japan cup uh audio i'm still gonna be putting out some in your house in your house episodes november to remember some written content as well i did a a piece about the nassau coliseum that looks like that it might be done uh so a little bit about the wrestling history of the nassau coliseum so if you like that uh expect hopefully a, a little bit you know some more of those uh coming up in the future but that's at voiceswrestling.com slash patreon also uh uh, VoicesWrestling.com. We have a preview of the New Japan Cup. If you want to kind of get up to speed on what's going on, we also have reviews of every single show going on. Uh, some other great stuff going on on the website as well. So uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com. Plenty of good stuff there, and uh, also the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. If you're listening to this uh, and you're just listening to the Voice Wrestling Flagship, you're missing out on some other great shows as well. Wrestling Omakase, Music in the Mat, Jumping Bomb Audio, Everything Elite, Shake Them Ropes. I mean, I can go on for days of all the shows we have here on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. There are plenty of them. Well worth your time, so make sure you subscribe uh, to all of those shows as well. And for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Critch. We'll talk to you guys next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care. <laughs>